This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1586, Star Wars The Force Awakens Movie Review. I'm Shane Kelly. I'm Brian Christman. I'm Chris Everly. I'm Brian Deemer. And I'm Matt. Woohoo! <laughs> All right. Welcome to the show. That's right, folks. The moment has finally arrived. We've all been waiting 30-some years for a Star Wars movie that, well, well not quite 30 years. <laughs> careful, careful what <laughs> just, you say next. It just feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> but here it is, uh, the next installment in the Star Wars saga. We're, now it's our turn on Comic Geek Speak to talk about what all of Geekdom has been talking about for the last week and a half anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I started going through... Um, Articles that I had saved and bookmarked and stuff on the internet so I could go back and read things just in case they contained anything, which most of them didn't, but it was still fun to read finally. I think we should also note we have some illustrious uh, cast members joining us who have been on the show in a little while. It's wonderful to have them on board. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. How could I miss it? (laughs) (laughs) I have been waiting 30 years. (laughs) 32 years, to be precise, you know? I, I take it you don't, no, you're no fan of the prequels, brother. No, I think if you edited down the prequels into the good stuff, you could make about like a 35-minute Star Wars movie, and <laughs> I, I'm that a little, would be that. I'm a little more generous. I'll give an hour, maybe an hour and a half movie with all three of them. But, all right. But Perhaps. I don't disagree with yeah. that. <laughs> there certainly is a lot of Felger carb there. Oh, oh, what? Felger Carb, it's a Battlestar Galactica thing. Oh, my God. Don't don't mix genres here or shows. You're going to screw everybody up. gets confused. Shane, I got the reference. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well done. Yeah, just dumb down a little bit for pants. Oh, third person. God, I missed that. Outstanding. Outstanding. Brian, you know, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Indeed, indeed. All right. Well, we don't want to uh, – Pants, I think you had a nice idea for yeah, our Pants opening, didn't you? Idea. Yeah. Well, are we going to start with that right now? Or yeah. No sponsor? Are we going to do a sponsor? I guess we should do, should do a sponsor, yes. <laughs> or two. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this episode uh, – well, we have a, a two sponsors actually for this episode as it turns out. Um, first of all, we've got uh, InStockTrades.com, your source online for uh, collected editions of all kinds of comic books. Hardcover, softcover, and everything in between. If it's on their website, it is in stock right then for you to purchase. Uh, lots of uh, deep discounts available there at all times. Uh, lots of 70% off deals I see here uh, on their website at the present time. Um, we always like to list down their uh, top 10 top sellers, yeah, which they yeah, list for uh, your, our information and amusement um, on their website. So number 10 is the DMZ Deluxe Edition hardcover. This is the fifth volume. Number nine, Absolute Green Lantern, Green Arrow hardcover. The, oh, that's a good uh, Denny one. Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams stuff. Uh, Chew Omnivore Edition hardcover, volume five, is number eight. Number seven, All New X-Men hardcover, volume three. Number six, Hawkeye hardcover, volume two. <laughs> Gesture towards Pants here because he's a fan. Sure. 
Uh, number five, <laughs> Scalp Hardcover, Book Three, Deluxe Edition. Number four, Rat Queens, Deluxe Hardcover, Volume One, Mature Readers Only. Uh, volume uh, Number three is I Zombie Omnibus in hardcover. Um, number two, Absolute Batman, The Court of Owls hardcover. Uh, Scott Snyder, New Fifty Two stuff there. And number one, still Private Eye Deluxe Edition. Magnificent. Uh, I, I also noticed on their site, I was looking up Star Wars stuff because I'm in the mood. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff on sale through uh, Dark Horse and Marvel. So if, you, if you're interested, you have a hankering after seeing the movie, the check hankering. it out. And I listened to your most recent episode, the Spilot on Star Wars, where they actually were also a sponsor in Stock Trade. And you mentioned about uh, the clearance sale on up, up to half off all artist and gallery editions. Yeah. Didn't get a chance to look at it yet because I only heard it the last oh. couple hours. I will go look through that and yeah. see what can be snagged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because up, up now it's up to half off, but that, those still, things are pricey anyway. It's still tempting when I looked at it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's all gallery editions from other uh, manufacturers. Of course, the traditional art editions from IDW. Yeah. I should point out along those lines that in the December previews, IDW is releasing uh, the Empire Strikes Back Artist Edition. I know. Which is collecting the magnificent Al Williamson artwork. Uh, which I heard you rave on about there, uh, Mr. Which, Eberle, yes. which is – I'm going to get a copy for myself because he's one of my all-time favorite Star Wars artists. I had uh, that on my list, off my list, on my list, off my list. It's off at the moment, and I put my order in. Uh, I, uh, it's, it's, it just seems like it'd be gorgeous. I, that's my favorite adaptation that Marvel I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And to see, uh, to see Williamson's art in that format, uh, the IDW artist in format is going to be – it's going to be breathtaking. Yeah. Pants, are you going to get that book? Uh, I don't know. I gotta. <laughs> I, but it, it, listen to you rave on about it in that episode. Oh, it's it's, it's like with you know, Al Williamson. And, was it Tom Palmer? Was he linker over that? No, it was uh, Carlos. Oh. oh, that's right. You mentioned. You, I'm a, but, was it Ger- Gerzon Murder? Do you remember the name of the anchor? I apologize. I'm Garzon, really maybe? I'm failing miserably here. But it's, it's, it's someone will correct us in the forums. It's, it's a great, great artistic team. <laughs> that's yeah. your new catchphrase. Right. Someone will get us yeah. on the forums correctly. Yeah. Well, and part of, that, part of that for me is that's the, the first. And I said it on the episode, the first collected edition of anything Star Wars comic I had was the one I ordered from the school book mm-hmm. subscription thing. And it was a paperback-sized yeah, yeah. Empire Strikes Back, all comics. I thought it was going to be a novel. Man, I loved it. I tore that thing up. It was destroyed by the time I was Well, they did, they did paperback-sized uh, reprints of all three movie adaptations, oh, nice. actually. So you can probably find those somewhere on the secondary market. Shane, oh, did I'm you sure. mention that uh, InStock does a lot of the Dark Horse trades in print? Yeah, they do. They do, actually. Oh, There's great. a good chunk of stuff in print yet. Excellent. At least when I looked at it, there was, and that was just the other – just before Christmas. Well, that's that's st- good stuff, still well worth reading. Yeah. Oh, I have I have such a hard time with it, though, right, because now that we know it's not canon, it's so hard to like, oh, now they're all just what-if stories. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I want, I I felt want like, I felt real like that Star Wars stories now. With a lot of the novels. <clears throat> I'm focusing a little bit more on the novels that, quote, count than the ones right. that don't. In in a way, it's great because I was so far behind on my Star Wars novels that now I just wipe the slate clean and I'm like, there's one book out so far and I uh-huh. read it. Yeah. Now, How now, about that? To my surprise, <laughs> um, Matt, who's not the most voracious reader in the house. Your ben, son, Matt, of course. Yeah. Matt uh, – <laughs> Ben reads a lot more than Matt does. But he wanted the Han Solo and Chewbacca uh, young reader book written by Greg Rucka. And I'm like, well, I've read stuff that he's done in comics and novels. He's a good writer. I enjoyed it. Try it. He read that bugger in a week. Great. So then um, – and this is you know just a week before Christmas. He's like, man, I'd really like a couple of the other ones. So 
Santa Claus brought all the other ones that they have out, the Leia one, the Luke one, and the one for the characters in Force Awakens. So he's going to start one of those in another day or two. Uh, I can't wait because then now I now I had an excuse to get them so I can read them. Even though they're young reader stuff, I'm kind of still interested sure. in reading them. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that was InStockTrades.com. That was InStockTrades. If it's on the website, it's in stock. <laughs> Sorry. InStockTrades.com. Old habits die hard <laughs> And our other sponsor for this episode would be... All right. I'm super excited to announce that we have the return of a classic sponsor of ours, Drawer Boxes. Woo-hoo. Yes. So it's been a while now, so there's probably a number of people in our audience who are not familiar with Drawer Boxes. And let me tell you, it's one of the greatest comic products um, that exists. So everybody has long boxes, short boxes. We all know the trials and tribulations of these boxes. We stack them and then we unstack them and we break our backs getting to the one on the bottom. And as a result, we don't organize our comics properly and we don't put everything in alphabetical order the way it should be and everything. And we all end up with a mess and lots of boxes and it's a pain in the ass. Well, drawer boxes said, that's dumb. Why don't we have drawers? But drawers are expensive. But what if cardboard drawers were a thing? Would that be expensive? No, it wouldn't be expensive. But they probably wouldn't work, right? You'd pull them and they'd bind and it would suck and you'd only stack two of them and then they'd collapse. They've solved all those problems. Drawer boxes are really good quality cardboard boxes the size of either long boxes or short boxes. However, the middle slides out. And the shell remains, and you can stack these things six boxes high, pull out the bottom drawer, and the five that are piled on top of it don't crush the container. It's awesome. So now you can actually access all of your comics all the time without constantly lifting heavy boxes. And they have a new product out, which is very cool. They have a new size box that will not only hold magazines, but also CGC'd comics and records. So if, you got, if you're a vinyl collector and you want to put, no problem, they got you taken care of. So that's super cool. Um, their boxes all come with, uh, or you can get um, like a plastic uh, divider system. So if you want to keep your comics separated by title or whatever, you can do that. Um, they have a whole system. So it's, they're, it's just a fantastic product. Um, it's owned by one guy, Rich. He started the company, and he never expected them to be as successful as they were. <laughs> and and they've been booming now for, I don't know, eight years or something, guys? Yeah, a long about, time. Yeah. About nine years, according to the website. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there, it's we all have them, and we all love them, and uh, I can't recommend drawer boxes anymore. Um, uh, they're just such a fantastic product. So if you are still doing the old, you know classic cardboard thing you want to it's time to upgrade to some some drawer boxes so you can find out more information at collectiondrawer.com and um, go check it out i know that you will be very satisfied now um i had a little technical glitch (laughs) and the video didn't start so i'm just going to start it right now and and this will be on the the regular uh, audio only episode, so sorry everybody, but I'm just going to read the title again so the YouTube people know what episode this <laughs> oh, is. Certainly, I looked at it, I'm like, oh, it's not running, son of a, you know what? <laughs> All right. 
This is Comic Geek Speak, episode 1586, Star Wars The Force Awakens movie review episode. Yay, here we are. Hello. So here I am, (laughs) flipping cameras and technical stupidity (laughs) on my end and not noticing it didn't start. Sure, and all they missed was the sponsors. sponsors. I know, I know. know. Real quick, InStockTrades.com and CollectionDrawer.com for drawer boxes, which are awesome. Yes. Okay. There we go. So we're ready to, to jump into the Force Awakens. Yeah. Well, ask your question. Oh, yes. That was a good question. I, I suggest before we get started, sort of like we used to do with uh, when we did interviews, sure. where we asked everybody how they first got into reading comics. And if I want to know this, how did everyone first get into Star Wars? Well, for me, it's easy. In May of '77, I was seven and a half years old, and I went to see it in the theater. Uh, I don't remember much about how I heard about it or whatever, but I know after the movie. I had a bunch of the toys, had the trading cards, had some of the comic books. I know I had issue number one at some point. Now, I don't know whether it was a 30 or 35 cent cover. Yeah. Um, and probably had some sort of clothing or maybe even bed sheets. I, I don't know. But I, I was really into Star Wars. It hit me at the right age and everything. And uh, saw all the movies in the theater. Um, so that's how I first got into it. Adam? Okay. Um yeah, Matt's answer and mine are going to be more interesting <laughs> because uh, we weren't old enough to see the first one when it first came That's out. Correct. So uh, we had to come at it through different avenues. Mm-hmm. And in my case, it would have been long about 1982, I think. I, I was about three years old, and my father taped the original Star Wars movie off of HBO. And uh, so that was part of a, like a homemade videotape that I still have. Oh, yeah. Oh. It had uh, <laughs> like local wow. network broadcasts of uh, Young Frankenstein and the Muppet movie on it. And then like the, the main feature at the end was <laughs> the original Star Wars. And so I would watch those three in order quite often as a youngster. I'm pretty sure I was about three years old the first time that we sat down together in our, our house in Wimmelsdorf and watched it. So um, you had a VCR when you were three, and this is like 1982? Mm-hmm. Wow, I that's my... about when I got when okay. our family yeah. got the first. One. I cannot remember a time when my family didn't have a VCR right. actually, and my my father used to play. It was his toy for a time. Okay. So he was he would tape things off of uh, broadcast network feeds for me all the time. Sure, and that was one of the first and one of the best. Okay, and uh, the first time I got to see a movie in a Star Wars movie in the theater would have been Return of the Jedi. Um, I want to say it was a re-release. Uh, it might not even have been Christmas. It was at Christmas time. I'm sure of that. Oh, we wow. went on my birthday, which huh. is January 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, don't, I forget if it was 1983 or if it might even have been like a year or two later. If uh, I remember the TV commercial said it was being re-released just for the fun of it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't remember exactly which year it was, but I did finally get to see a Star Wars movie in the theaters, and that was the one. And uh, it was all, I was all about Jabba the Hutt at the time. <laughs> All right, mine, um, I was, I, I thought like you, Pants, I thought I saw it in May of 77, June of 77. I know it was around my birthday. Been? I was uh, five, five in 77. Man. Okay. I think I actually saw it in May or so of 78 because I went right from the movie to Kmart in Pottstown where I grew up mm-hmm. and got a toy off the shelf. And I know the toys, toys didn't come, come out, out until yet. 78. Right. So for a lot of years, really just in the last 10 years, when I really started to see articles about um, the old Kenner things and the release of toys and, and whatnot, did I realize I must have seen it in a re-release in 78. My mom and dad took me. They dropped my sister off at a friend's house because she wasn't old enough, being three or two and a half, which is perfectly fine. So I saw it by myself uh, with my without my sister um, in the Coventry uh, Coventry Mall Movie Theater, which is where I also saw Empire and Jedi, 
I saw Empire with my mom and dad and my sister. And my neighbor, um, who was very good to us and took us to movies all the time, took me to see Jedi. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I don't think my mom and dad ever saw Jedi in the theater because Mr. Borowski took me and mom and dad only ever saw it whenever I watched it at home. Um, I also, at some point during the re-release of Empire, I mean the release of Empire and Jedi, when they re-released Star Wars at various times, I saw it a second time in that Coventry theater, but the third time I saw it was in the Limerick Drive-In Theater. Um, that was a lot of fun, and I distinctly remember getting a little Kenner toy pamphlet for Empire Strikes Back. So at least at some point before the Empire Strikes Back, I saw it in a drive-in. Nice. That was kind of cool. Um, and, and to talk about the V the VCR, uh, we went on vacation one time to my cousins and, uh, relatives down in Texas, aunt and uncles and stuff. And they had a VCR and we didn't know what this was. This was all new to us. And they took us to the video store and they had empire strikes back. So that was the first thing I ever watched on a VCR was a VHS of empire strikes back. That's a way to do it. And it was cool. <laughs> and of course me not knowing what to do when it got to the end, I hit the rewind button, but I didn't stop it. So I'm watching it all backwards. <laughs> And they come in and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm rewinding it. And they're like, well, you can stop. I'm like, no, 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 this is good. <laughs> Try not to sound stupid. And I just, I kind of like it this way. I mean, I was like 10. So what, what did I know? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was it. All right. So I was only three when Star Wars came out. So I did not see it in the theater. But um, when I was like in kindergarten, which would have been 79, I saw, I had toys and stuff. And I had uh, the Star Wars um, book, you know, the motion picture book, yeah, uh, the storybook that we all had or I whatever. The storybook. And uh, so I like knew the whole story, but had never seen the movie. And of course you couldn't go rent it because it wasn't out and we didn't have a VCR then. Um, so I saw Empire in the theater and then probably the same time that HBO showed it, that Merge dad taped it, we by then had a VCR and I taped it. So then I watched Star Wars only after I had seen Empire, and then of course I saw Jedi in the theater too. Now, now, Brian, your girls—did this was their first Star Wars movie in the theater, or did yeah. they go see the Phantom Menace when that came out? They no, they weren't even born. They were born yet. Well, I mean, the re-release oh, oh, when they oh. did the whole 3D thing. Uh, no. Okay. No. Come on. <laughs> well, see, I took. You think my... I was going to spoil their first Star Wars experience in the theater with a Phantom Menace? I what took am my I, boys. Sadist? <laughs> I did take my boys to see that 3D version because at that time that was the only Star Wars going to be out in a the theater. So I took them just for the experience. They loved it. Could have cared less about the 3D, but they liked the movie um, well enough, and and then they started watching all the other ones. They knew all the story plot though from playing the Lego video games. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed in that. I didn't even think of that. They're playing the the Lego stuff for I don't know how long, and this comes up in a movie or Anakin turns in Revenge of the Sith, and I'm worried about what they're going to think of him getting this chopped off, that chopped off. I'm like, oh, that happened in the Lego game. Oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever. I want to point out, Mr. Deemer, how much I've missed your sexy, contemptuous tone when you describe something you're not happy with. <laughs> My God, it's good to hear your voice, sir. <laughs> Magnificent. All right, uh, for me. Now, Shane and I and Adam were talking about this la uh, last time we spoke. I wasn't sure if I saw it first in 77 or during the re-release in 78 because I was four when the movie came out. But my dear and oldest friend, Ryan Fiedenel, you all know, of course, he and I were taken to see it together, and he is positive we were taken to see it in 77. Oh, cool. And my parents, my parents went to see it first because my parents and Ryan's parents went to high school together. 
and they checked it out. Then they brought us, and Ryan was three, and, and I was four. I still remember. I remember the theater we went to in the, the nearby New Jersey town of Berkeley Heights. And uh, naturally, I was completely captivated uh, by the film. And uh, as soon as the toys came out, you know, I, I, I got as many of those as my parents could afford during the holidays and so forth. The comics, the books, anything I could get my hands on that was related to Star Wars, I did. And uh, I was lucky to see uh, Empire and Return of the Jedi first release in the theater. And my parents, especially my father, are big movie fans. They would take us multiple times oh, wow. to see these films. So I saw, I'd say, each of the films at least two or three times in the movies uh, when they first came out. Uh, and like Mr. Deemer, I was deeply disappointed for the most part uh, by the prequels except for the last, say, 40 minutes of, of Revenge of the Sith. So this film we're going to talk about is just a complete tonic for the spirit, to say the least. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I want to say it was maybe the early 90s. I know I saw, saw it beforehand, but Adam and I were over at a friend of ours' house, um, Jeff, and for some reason they had the cassette, uh, the VC, VHS of uh, Star Wars and I think Empire as well. We wound up watching it, and uh, by the time I got – I found Jedi at a later date, I was like, I, I know I've seen this before. So uh, – I want to say it was around the late 80s, early 90s, and it wasn't until I think my junior or senior year of high school that a buddy of mine took a, a personal day from, from high school, and uh, we went to the video store, and I wound up buying all three of them on, uh, on VHS. And at that time, I also read the books by the time the uh, special edition came out, so just to give me a little bit more of, uh, of what happened. All right. Now, Brian, I don't know if you did this ever. I, I know I said this before in, in, a, in the last episode or so, but we didn't have a VCR when we had HBO. We had HBO first. So when they played it, I took a tape recorder that we had and set it up in front of the TV and every 30 minutes flipped a tape and ended up with like three or four cassette tapes with them flipped every front back, front back. And that's oh, how I would man. listen to it for years until we got a VCR. So is that how you know this, this, the dialogue backwards and forwards? Yeah, I guess. Because <laughs> you, you know every word well, of dialogue. Yeah, that's, that's probably a, a, good, a good reason. I, I do know a lot of dialogue. and that's Oh, a, you know the dialogue. Well, a lot of people know a lot better than I. They well, can recite it, but yeah, that's probably a good I'm reason why. <laughs> you know, it's funny. You guys talking about the, the VCRs. I remember there was a time that for some, we had two at one point, and we would go to like Blockbuster. And I'd get a movie that I wanted, then I'd buy a blank tape. And we, I was able to figure out how to work the VHS so we could have our own copy uh, of, of movies. Ah, uh, yes. Pirater. Yeah. Pirater. Pirater. <laughs> that was late 80s, early 90s. What the hell? So, yeah, the statue's long gone for <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> Shane, we should also mention that you made a good point on our earlier recording about the radio dramas. Oh, um, I love it. And, and you, you talking about uh, your Herculean task with the cassette tape recordings reminded me of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, forgive me, I forgot the, the hand of the listener who went online and gave us a wonderful history on the forums. Oh, I do too. I uh, did read that. Of the radio dramas. But um, if someone's interested in sort of getting an, a, a, let's call it a more enhanced perspective on uh, the, the original trilogy, especially, especially uh, episodes uh, four and five, the radio dramas are, are well worth listening to. Yeah. Because they. they Bring in a lot of additional material that wasn't included uh, in, the, in the theatrical releases, especially uh, Star Wars: A New Hope. So definitely, definitely check those out if, if you can. Chris, the listener's name was Dan in Wisconsin. Ah, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. I want to give him his, his due credit. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Force Awakens. All right. All right. Um, 
What's a star? How many times have you seen it, Pants? I, I've only seen it once. I wanted to go see it again before we did this recording, but I just couldn't work on my schedule, so I am going to go see it again okay. as soon as I possibly can. I saw it on IMAX. Now, Merce was saw it. having dinner with your brother or going to see Force Awakens a second time. Yeah. 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 I think yeah. you made the right choice. Yeah, I do too. Thank you. <laughs> but now I didn't see it. Porterhouse, baby. Porterhouse. <laughs> Murd, you said you saw it twice. I saw it the second time just last night. And I saw it my second time with my boys again this morning. Chris? I saw it. I've seen it twice. So I want to say at least a third time. Brian? Only once so far, but uh, it'll be soon. Okay. And <laughs> I, I had to pull strings to see it one time at 9 a.m. <laughs> uh, Christmas Eve. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that too. <laughs> um, well, you know, mind if I just start? Because I don't Go have ahead. you guys are. I want to hear more what you guys have to say than what I had to say. But if you know me at all, it's like I don't watch trailers at all. So I managed to pretty much not see anything beforehand except for – who did we lose? Um, hold Come on here. while we try to get the call back. I don't know. Might be Chris. It's Chris. Okay. So Let's try. Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll keep going. Um, I didn't really see any of the trailers. So when I'm watching the movie and there's Millennium Falcon in there – I had no idea. <laughs> I was stunned. Now, like I mentioned, I saw the movies from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Had all the stuff when I was a kid. And, you know, saw all the prequels and everything. Unlike you, Shane, where you were a real big fan, I'm like kind of, okay, I, I enjoy it. I think when we did our Star Wars, Star Trek debate, I think I went with Star Trek. Just mm-hmm. because there's like more of it with TV oh, and totally everything. Turn off his mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was many years ago. I don't care. I know you don't care. But... <laughs> <laughs> But so you know, I enjoyed the movies. wasn't as fervent about it, but I, I wanted to go see it, and I I wasn't prepared for the. And this mi- is this is going to be all spoilers. I don't know that we. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For I God's mean, most sake, of our movies spoilers, spoilers about everything. Yeah, yeah, look out. So, but I wasn't prepared for the emotional parts of that really, really just slapped me silly. I mean, I'm in the back, I'm in the top of the theater, and at certain points, I'm, I'm sobbing to myself. I just could not contain myself. I don't know what it was, whether it was the nostalgic, because it reminded me so much of, of the first Star Wars in so many ways. It was just a wonderful, just wonderful film, just so many parts that, I mean, amazing, I mean. Be- I'm here, gentlemen. Oh, okay. God bless you. I mean. On my on my desktop now, I, I'll show Bird here. I, I have uh, Daisy Ridley as, as Ray. I'm, like, I'm a big day. Oh, and at some point during the episode, I open up my my Daisy Ridley figure that I bought with, with BB-8. Mine is prominently on my shelf. Christmas Eve, uh, in the middle of the night, we got a truck. Oh, I don't think I'll get that. I wonder if Shane wants one. Yep, so I, I touched it once. I got earlier in the day. Or yeah, yeah. I, I, so yeah. Shane has has that. And then Carlene was going off to work, and she said, "What what's pants one?" He says, "Do you want something?" I'm like, "Well, it's this." And she had gone with us to see the movie, and she goes, "Well, do you want it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, you know what? I actually wouldn't mind that." She's like, "All right, I'll pick it up. Merry Christmas." Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> so like I said, I I had heard the line, you know, Chewy, we're home. Didn't see where it took place. When I see it's on the Falcon, and they walk. Okay, well, that's one of those parts where I just I just lost it there. Um, great to see you know Carrie Fisher again, Hans, you know Harrison Ford, Chewbacca again. It's just so many things about this, this movie that I loved. And I I want to hear more what you guys have to say, but I think for me, not seeing the trailers, I just enjoyed it so much more because. Again, seeing the Millennium Falcon again, I said, holy crap, because I had no idea what to expect going in. And that just that's why I don't watch trailers. I can't even imagine not watching a single trailer for this because it gave nothing away, and I enjoyed every trailer. Well, I the saw, Millennium Falcon was in there. I had wow. no idea it was in there. 
I can't imagine going to it sight unseen and then seeing it like that. Oh my god! Well, see, that's why. Look at me. I'm gestic with my arms. Ah, it was great. <laughs> I, I, I don't know, Shane. The tra- just by the trailers, I knew what was going to happen to Han. Oh, I, he I was knew too that. Too heavily. I knew that uh, before the focus trailers. of the original cast, where the other ones you didn't see as much, and that kind of knowing that Harrison Ford wanted his character to die. Yep. Um, in Jedi, I yeah. had a feeling that he was going to die in this one. I had no idea about any of that till they got to that scene and they walked that long plank and I thought, wait a minute. Yeah. That's how engrossed I was and tuned everything else out and was fully engrossed in this movie. Knowing well, that- I had I had no idea either and um, I didn't expect it. Oh, really? I was, I was very shocked wow. that it happened because, you know, he's one of the main characters. And, uh, I mean, even knowing what I know about you know, he thought his character should die in the other movie, and I know that he's an old man, and I know, like, yeah, like, maybe it should have seemed like it's something I could expect, but they brought back the original cast. I wouldn't have expected any of the original cast to die in the first movie, maybe by the third one, but not in the first one. I was, I'm still not convinced that he's completely dead. You know? Well, well, He's I, getting better. There, there's some of that that I'm not convinced of either, and and not that I I do somewhat think he is dead, and and even before the trailers, I thought. Boy, you know what? He's probably going to be the one because knowing his history with wanting to die in Empire Strikes Back and George Lucas talking him back into it and all that. Um, I I kind of envisioned a conversation where J.J. J. Abrams came to him and said. Hey, I want to do a movie. I want all of you in it. And here's kind of what I want to do. And he said, oh, I'll do it and I'll promote the hell out of it. But I want to die in it. And I can see that being a big draw because he's everywhere promoting this on talk shows, on conventions, like things I've never seen Harrison Ford do. He's been doing. Um, I do think there's a possibility of uh, and this is just a theory for me. I've read nothing about this to, to say one way or the other. I do think there's a possibility he'll be in flashbacks concerning Kylo Ren and Leia and stuff in the second one or the third one or with Luke or something. I, I just think that's a possibility. So while he was mainly in this first one, I think there's a chance he may show up. It just won't be current time. It's all thoughts, yeah. past times. Probably Shit. won't. He's probably not strong enough with the Force to come back as a Force spirit. So. No, no, I wouldn't think so. Shane, I think that's a sound theory. And to, to build on that, I, I think... I, I had a hunch that they'd kill Han Solo as well. That didn't take away from the dramatic oh, impact God, I bawled. Oh, uh, yeah. of, of his death because they masterfully built the tension on that catwalk. Mm-hmm. Or even – like I personally felt, oh, he's, he's going to run him through with his lightsaber. But even having that hunch, I was still completely captivated by that scene. I mean and both two outstanding actors and uh, the tension was so masterfully built in that scene. And I, I think what I'm most excited about in terms of – Han's death as furthering the plot of the movies is that can you imagine the guilt Luke is now going to have? Mm-hmm. It's yeah. clear he's already struggling for reasons that have not fully been explained to us as to this Jedi Order collapsed. Kylo Ren ran off to the dark side. You, you, you guess that maybe Kylo Ren maybe even murdered all the other Jedi um, cadets. I mean that, that's that's a guess on my part, but clearly there's no other Jedi around that that we know of. And now Han's dead as well. So for me, what's most exciting is in the next two films, exploring, A, what the hell happened to Luke that put him on that island, and B, how is he going to deal with the repercussions that have just happened in this film? So I remember reading that 
what brought J.J. Abrams into the project was the, simply the question, who is Luke Skywalker? Hmm. And I, I think they're really going to explore that to a degree that I think we're going to find perhaps, I'm sure, satisfying, but probably in some ways also shocking as well. So, Real quick, I am very happy to announce that BB-8, the toy, is based on Weeble technology. Exactly. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Weebles wobbles, wobbles, but they don't fall down? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. I'm sorry. Back to the back to your regular schedule program. Um, I, I have a thought about Luke and, and Ray, really. Um, with, with Luke feeling guilty, I think that's, that's completely a possibility. But I also think that it'll be a driving force for him to come back and put things back in order because never would he have imagined this could happen. And while, yeah, the guilt's going to be there, oh, my God, look what, what I caused by going away, that's going to drive him to come back and put things right in some fashion. Well, one, one can't say that Star Wars doesn't have major uh, father, you know, daddy-son issues oh gosh, throughout, its, uh, <laughs> yeah. throughout the saga. Well, and that's something. I mean, everybody here knows me. I'm a sap for father-son stuff. And, and again, even thinking that it was going to happen, I lost it when that happened the first time I saw it. Um, and and the, the, the actor, gosh, I forget his name, who played Kylo Ren. Adam Driver. Adam, Adam Driver. Boy, did he do a great job of, of even, even almost convincing me that, oh, maybe there's a slight chance that he's just going to listen to Han. I, I kind of wanted Han to say, your mother misses you more than we miss you after he said we miss you. I wanted him to say, especially your mother or, or especially me, your mother's asking for you, Some, something. Yeah. But, but still that, that, that tension was there and, and, and Adam Driver starts to tear up and he's really struggling. And we already know from previous <laughs> conversations that he's struggling with the light and the dark. So as it is. So just, oh, maybe there's a tiny bit. <laughs> oh, nope. So, not. so there's an interesting thing. Uh, my buddy and I were discussing this is, so he taught, he says, you know, so for a minute there, you think maybe he's going to become a good guy, right? Um, but he says he needs his father's help, and he's crying. So it's not an easy decision for him, right? No. So our guess, theory, is that he doesn't want to kill Han. He wants to go back to his parents. But he knows that he's the closest guy to that evil Sith guy. What the hell's his Snoke, name? Snoke. 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 And um, so he can't lie to Snoke and say, oh, yeah, I killed my father because he's going to find out or see through it or whatever. Yeah. So he has to actually kill him so that he can stay in his confidences until he's strong enough to kill Snoke because he's the only one who can do that. That's a possibility. That's a good well, theory. So, like I always do. So Thursday morning, this was up on Wikipedia, so I was able to see everything. <laughs> so I knew he was going to die. Um, and Shane, you're right. Even though knowing exactly what was going to happen, it still had the tension there. But I interpreted it as he needed help because to fully get into the dark side, he had to kill his dad. So when he said – when it was a thing about needing his father's help, it was I need to kill you so that I can finally – you know, put everything to rest. I won't have that structure struggle. I can only be part of the dark side. Hmm. Well, another thing to consider is, and I think this will be another exciting plot point is, all right. So, Leia Organa is is the military commander of the resistance the, 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 or the Republican forces. Um, so, one of her main a- adversaries is now going to be her own son, who just murdered her husband. And now she's going to be facing some very serious decisions to make as to maintain this campaign 
when no doubt she, she may have to order the death of her own son. Um, so there, there's Abrams has set up and Kasdan. And I'm, by the way, I'm so glad Lawrence Kasdan co-wrote this film. Yeah, here, here. me too. Uh, God, he was severely missed in the prequels. Because um, one one quick tangent: this movie had humor that is so vital to the Star Wars saga, and it was so nice to have that back. But um, so I'm really interested to see how they're going to carry forward what the decisions Leia is going to make uh, as this 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 story unfolds. So Abrams has set up some really, I mean, Shakespearean level of of, of Tension and family strife in, in, in these in these upcoming films. I, I'm salivating at the prospect of what they might do if, if they carry these out, you know, in a way that I think they will. You know, Chris, it's funny you bring up about the humor, and I'm kind of getting the feeling here that I'm going to be the Brian Deemer role when we did the Lost series finale. <laughs> um, but one of the issues I had with the movie was I thought there was too much humor, oh. and that took me out more than anything else. Oh. I mean, they, they did Han fairly decently, but there's a couple times it's like, now nah, you're pushing a little bit. Um, but there were some other parts, like with Finn, when he, when it was, was it uh, Plasma or, or Phasma or whatever, Phasma, where he's yeah. like, who's in charge now? I'm in charge. I'm in charge. Uh, it was just like, enough already. It, it wasn't Jar Jar Binks out of hand, but it was starting to get to the point where just like, you're completely pulling me out of this movie. It does not feel like the original trilogy where there was humor, but it wasn't kind of overly bearing. This is also a family type movie. In your face type of uh, feel to it. I'll agree well, with you when it comes. To, I'm sorry, Brian. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that I, I I definitely sensed some of those moments, and there were times when I was you know a little less than thrilled by it. Um, but after thinking about it over the next day, I realized you know this same kind of humor was in the new Star Trek movies. And I freaking love those movies, yep. but I didn't really love Star Trek before those movies. So something about the whole J.J. Abrams look and feel and everything works for me. And so while it sort of bothers me because it doesn't match the original trilogy feel, right, in that sense, it actually is kind of fun. And if I just let go and let myself relax and say, hey, I actually like it, it was funny, and I'm okay with it, like... I had to. I had to tell myself that after like twenty four hour grieving period, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that um, Matt, I agree with you when it came to Han picking up the crossbow. That was very forced. Yeah, and it, did, it didn't sound like Han Solo at all. That is that was very minor. That aside, I think with Ray and Finn, they're like these wide eyed characters. They're kind of our the audience's point yeah. of view into this incredible world they've been thrown into, and you know, th- there's going to be the, that. I found like their, their their sort of their humor was coming out of that, and and also the, just their interactions with each other, uh, and and that worked for me. And, and plus, I I was so I'm so taken with the two leads. Oh, this yeah, movie yeah. could have fallen yeah. flat so badly if they hadn't done the proper casting. And boy, I thought they just knocked the casting right out of the park. Uh, the, the two young leads I thought were were outstanding in, in their roles. You believe their chemistry. Uh, you believe that they might end up together romantically, perhaps, or maybe they'll end up like in a, in a sort of a brother sister type relationship. Either way, that could go. But um, there was such there was such a genuine aspect to their performances. And the, uh, Daisy Ridley, my brother, said, "God, she's she's a movie star." Like her, yeah. I thought she was especially so powerful in her performance. Um, for me, that's one of the best parts of the movie. Seeing those two young actors really take those roles in a way that was just so satisfying, outstanding. I- I, I have a question. Um, was it in the books or is it someplace else where they revealed that Han was formerly 
um, in the the Empire that's, Naval it's, it's, fleet. It's, ex- it's expanded universe. Yeah, that's one of the books that right. doesn't okay. mean anything. Now. It, the books because, that are thrown out now. It's yeah. the trilogy. <laughs> it's the trilogy written by AC Crispin, and it was an excellent trilogy. But now, who knows? Be- because I was trying to look at the characters. Like to me, I, I mean, you can make the the case for for Luke, but to me, I thought he was more like what became of Yoda, and then Han was basically more like Obi Wan, where you know, kind of people came up, the story kind of met up with him, and his death now will take us to the next step, uh, um, and then you have Ray as kind of the Luke, and Finn. I kept thinking this like like Han. He was formerly of the Empire, which I guess now is uh, non, uh, and then saw the light, decided this isn't what I wanted, and then flipped sides um, to not be part of the uh, the evil forces. Well, I th- I agree with that. I also think that Oscar Isaac who played Poe Dameron, by the way, Oscar Isaac is a tremendous actor. Right. Yeah. Check out yeah. check out Inside Lewin Davis or Most Violent Years, two of his greatest performances recently. Um, I think he's also a Han Solo type character as well. He's like the swashbuckling pilot, you know, very cocksure and so forth. And to build on what you were saying, Matt, one of the thing other aspects of the movie I found very satisfying was they they take you into the world of the stormtroopers and you know, when they're committing that atrocity in that village and they're slaughtering everybody, and he just can't do it. And I, I just found that very interesting that they, they kind of explore a bit of a, a crisis of conscience one of these faceless, you know, soldiers has. And, and the consequences of him trying to, 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 to get away from this world he's been thrust into since he was a child, apparently. I thought it was another compelling part uh, of the story. Well, and it also could have uh, much more impact on future movies right because if one guy can turn against the empire then then they all could right i mean most of them won't be brave enough to do it because they don't want to risk you know their own men shooting them or whatever but um there's certainly a lot of a lot more potential for big scenes or whatever where guys start putting their guns down or turn their guns against the the, the first order, right? Yeah, I agree with that. It was an interesting perspective of somebody turning. I didn't expect him to turn like that. I thought maybe, you know, seeing the trailer and stuff, that maybe he was a spy, maybe there was something wrong, but but not the way it was. Not that that the stormtroopers were ripped from their families as babies and trained from birth. And yeah, something we never knew about stormtroopers. Until yeah, uh, it, it it was completely riveting. And then to see him and um um Pope? uh Kylo Ren oh. in the village. Where Kylo's kind of walking back and turns and sees Finn looking at him in the stormtrooper and just knows something's not right with him. And he doesn't really know what at that moment. Um, and then the interaction with Poe as they're escaping the the destroyer was just all fantastic. Um, like, like you, Chris, I, I agree. The, the new cast, the young people, the additions, just absolutely fantastic performances through this. Yeah, I mean the the, the whole thing with uh, oh holding the hands. Of, I, yeah, I, yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, the whole thing uh, with Poe and and Finn when they were flying and crashing, I thought Poe was dead. Oh sure. You know, I, I guess probably when I saw the toy in the store with these uh, dimensions, not the dimensions, the Infinity toy where he was in the X-wing outfit, should have been a clue that he might survive That's that and get into the X-wing outfit. But again, I didn't know that was going to happen. So again, I was so engrossed in this movie. But yeah, these performances were just incredible. Yeah. And, and again, I like the humor. I stuff with, with Han, the stuff with like everyone wants to go back to Jakku. Why do you want to go back? It's Jakku, right? Yeah, yeah. Jakku. Why do you want to go back to Jakku? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just all that, loved all that stuff. Well, the thing with 
Oh, and drop the gun too. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was <laughs> like Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig. Yeah. And I heard it today. I when when I'm listening to him, I heard his voice come through. I'm like, oh, of course that is. Um, that was that was some. There's some neat things of of those kind of Easter eggs that have been out there sure. now uh, that I enjoyed trying to poke out this time, uh, pick out this time as I was watching it. Um, I did. I did like that they. Um, speaking of the new characters, right? They didn't. They didn't overuse the old characters. I mean, Han was arguably the main character, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. to some extent. Okay, right. that's fine. Yeah. yeah, give us give us some yeah anchor, perfect word. But you know, Leia not in it very much, but enough. Three PO, three PO, and R two not stealing the show. You yeah. know, BB eight stole the show, Absolutely. but they purposefully held back three PO and R two. Now maybe they'll play a better a bigger role in episode eight, which would make sense, sure. but they laid the groundwork for these new people. And I thought the same thing about Bo. When you first see him, you're like, whoa, this guy's very Han Solo like. And and maybe that should have been a clue that Han would die and that this guy would sort of be the new, you know, rogue, mm-hmm. right? Uh so that's I like that they introduced him because I think he has a lot of potential for future films to become an, a, a character that we all really love and, and care about. Yeah, I thought that was all great. What did you guys think of the First Order as a concept? Um, a lot more ruthless than the um, the Empire. More ruthless because more desperate. Yeah, more desperate. They, they could actually hit things where as much <laughs> as I love Star Wars Empire and Jedi, they can't hit the broadside of a building. No matter Didn't what they also happens. switch laser uh, colors? I wondered that, and I wanted to go back and watch because I've listened, you know, in my Blast little times. stupid fashion. I've listened to all the movies countless times over the last couple of weeks getting ready for this. But I wanted to watch one of them and see if they flip between colors because it seemed like the opposite laser colors were used for the opposite groups this time around. I, I was uh, asking – I'm sorry, Matt. Go ahead, please. I, I was just going to say uh, – that kind of goes in hand with one of the compl- uh, another complaint that I had about the movie. Uh, I, although this is a situation where they really did a lot of character development, which I enjoyed, but I think at the same time they took away from some of the universe building that they could have done, and I think there should have been a little bit more of a balance because I understand the characters and they're great, but at the same time, so we have First Order, which I, I kind of just associate it with, yeah, the fall of the Empire, so now you just have this fraction group of basically the rebels of the Republic now banding together and slowly building um, this terrorist group, more or less. Then you have the Republic, and then you have the Resistance. Now, the Republic is assisting the Resistance against the First Order. But then aren't they – I mean, to me, that's like the U.S. using the Wolverines from Red Dawn to fight (laughs) ISIS as opposed to just U.S. fighting ISIS. So I don't – and then I understand that by the First Order blowing up the new capital of the Republic, now the First Order is essentially the Empire. They have the bigger forces, um, and again, the, the Resistance, essentially the Rebels, are now a small group again. So I, I kind of didn't understand why the Resistance wasn't the Republic and why the Republic wasn't more actively involved in trying to stop this potential threat. That So, so there's, a, there's a, an explanation for all of this. Okay, so first of all, as long as I, I can have been thinking about it, right, maybe not when I was, you know, nine and saw Return of the Jedi, but by the time I was in my teens, I was definitely considering, right? Mm-hmm. The end of Return of the Jedi, they blow up the Death Star. Well, that's only a portion of the Empire, right? You have all these military leaders and these generals and all these troops and all these spaceships and all, and they still control 
thousands of planets or whatever, right? They're massive, right? So the rebellion, the, the Empire wasn't instantly over no, at right. the end of Return of the Jedi. And that's why the re-release of Return of the Jedi was the stupidest scene in the whole re-release was they took out the Yub Yub song, which we all love, and they replaced like it with scenes of them toppling, uh, you know, statues of Palpatine on Coruscant, which would never happen because there's still thousands of troops roaming around Coruscant shooting anybody who causes a problem, right? It's ridiculous. So in the books, that first book that came out, Aftermath, they're exploring how, yeah, they made a, a major victory. And they have to, but it's going to take years and years and years of, of battles and fighting and, and perseverance to fully bring down the Empire, right? So the fact that you have these ships and the Empire and, and like, it's, it's, it's only been 30 years, right? It takes a long time to, to remove a galaxy-spanning yeah. Empire, right? Yeah. That's a big endeavor. Okay, so that's that one thing. And then the thing with Leia... So apparently there's like an interview with Abrams or something that my friend was telling me is that the deal is she was part of the of the um leadership of the of the new republic or whatever and now that things are getting pretty intense with the with the first order she asked for a special division they're called the resistance right that has extra capability and basically um the New Republic can claim that they don't have responsibility for what the, the the Resistance is doing, right? They can say, oh, hey, it's not us that are killing people or blowing up starships or whatever. Like, that's that's this, the Resistance, right? Now, it might be secretly funded or whatever by the, the New Republic, but there's deniability, yeah. right? Which does sound like a very real thing. Like, the CIA is always, you know, splinter groups go off and they do things and they... The U.S. government's like, no, no, we don't know anything about that. We didn't do that. That's not us, right? It's a similar concept. So it does sort of make sense in a real politic kind of thing. And that's the kind of stuff I had been reading and seeing in the last week as well, uh, which is which is actually quite compelling in a lot of ways. So when the Empire destroys those planets, uh, that's what I want a clarification on. So they, they, they eradicate the capital planet of the New Republic then. Yeah. Is the, yeah. Okay. That's how I took it. Right. Because that, that's what I thought. I, w- I wasn't sh- positive though, so – now, Brian, the books you've read that they've they've released what one book uh, yeah. that's official now. Right. Now, is is that take place? Uh, when does that take place essentially? In it's, the time it's basically right after Return of the Jedi. I mean, it might be like a year or something after Return of the Jedi. I don't remember exactly. Um, and uh, it, it it's quite good, and it's really setting the stage. They they purposely didn't give a lot away because they want to save the surprise for the movie, right? Yeah. So they were very careful with the information that they dished out. Um, but yeah, it's just starting to build up like what's happening. How does the rebellion slowly take over the, take that galaxy back from the empire? Because the empire is still very much there and very much alive. Um, uh, well, Brian's yeah. raised a great, raised a great point because I mean, as he said, the empire was vast mm-hmm. and, and, it, it wouldn't just go away like like and you, Brian you make a great point about Coruscant. Naturally, the Emperor's forces would never have allowed that kind of uprising. That they would have killed anybody who tried to. They would probably would have tried to suppress the fact that the Emperor was even dead. Well, yeah, uh, right. How would they know? Point. Right. Yeah, so yeah, it's not instantaneous. Th- that, that, that's, the that's that's a very good point, and and it makes sense. The First Order, you know, over the years somehow kind of morphed out of uh, the remnants of the Empire. I guess I asked the original question. This kind of goes back to Matt's original point about balancing character versus universe building. 
I mean, I love this movie. The only the only part of the movie that left me a and this is in a tiny way cold. I found the leadership of the First Order very generic and very dull. Uh, the general, like a poor man, Goebbels screaming at the uh, you know the assembled armies at the rally, um, and Snoke. I hope they do a lot more with in future films. Right now, he's like, oh, there's Gollum. <laughs> um, you know, but uh, I get, and part of that's just because you you come from a world where you have Darth Vader, who is like the ultimate cinematic badass, to you know a CGI'd Andy Circus thing. So, but that's that's not necessarily a negative. It just shows the contrast because a good point was made by you guys. The First Order is, is like the Empire when we become the New Hope is a fully established, massive military, you know, industrial bureaucratic complex, and this this new organization is trying to kind of find its feet. So it makes sense that you're going to have that type of contrast. So I'm interested to see, like, a Snoke Darth Plagueis, for example. Like, who is this guy? Is he a Sith Lord? Um, these will be interesting questions that I'm sure the future films will answer. My guess is he so. turns out to be a seven-year-old girl. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and think of it this way. When we all saw Star Wars, whether we're young or, or older when you first see it, and even as you rewatch it when you're older, you're thrust into the middle of a grand universe that is not yeah. fully explained. You're in the middle of governmental politics that isn't fully explained or understood. You just know the Death Star's there blowing a planet. Grand Marf Tarkin's in charge of it. Vader's his second in command, so to speak, there, even though later Vader comes out on top as the movies progress. Luke's on this adventure. He's this wide-eyed kid that wants to get off planet and do things, and he ends up being so important to everything that <coughs> wasn't necessarily understood in that first movie. So to me, The Force Awakens, it, it, in 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 a lot of its storytelling as well as um, relation to the original trilogy, is following the same kind of plot points. It's different, but it's still similar. It's It's... It's J.J. taking a story and making it his own, yet still using some familiarity to me. So I didn't expect or need all of this stuff explained here because we still have two movies to go just for this trilogy that will play out some of that stuff. And even as we grew up and watched Star Wars Empire and Jedi and as we rewatched it and rewatched it over and over, there's still stuff that we don't all fully understand because there's still more stuff there to tell. Whether it be in now books that come forward or other movies that are going to be in between these trilogy movies, there's just it, – it, it's just a grand story and, and, yeah, we're focusing on these characters. But I don't expect the, a universe with hundreds if not thousands of planets with all civilizations and, and empires um, controlling them. I don't expect everything to be explained. We can do the best we can with what we see and, and have a lot of fun discussing it. And and that's what I'm getting out of out of this first one alone is just the interesting topics that I've discussed just with you guys here and friends online and through Facebook and whatnot. It's just a lot of fun to theorize about some things that might be seen and think about what this could mean or what this could be. And if it's explained in these next two and, and the in-between ones, great. But if it's not, it'll still be a lot of fun to talk about. Well said, my friend. Well said. And here's the ultimate theorizing – I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead, please. No, I wasn't. I was just clearing my throat. <laughs> oh, here's the ultimate theorizing question then, because they're making you think that Ray is Luke's daughter. Do you think she is? No, I think she's Han and Leia's daughter. That's what I, I, I think it could go either way, and I'm leaning towards Luke right now with how they ended the movie. But I do think there's a chance that um, in, in, some, in some posting somewhere, they said that Ben is 10 years or so older than Ray. So when Leia sends Ben off to train with Luke – and Han's still there. 
and something happens that uh, Ben goes crazy and turns into Kylo Ren, destroys everything. Ray is either there as a very young child and ripped away and hidden, which I don't think makes sense because Han probably should have known her then. I think it's more likely that when Han decides he's leaving because of all this, and we don't know that whole story either, that Leia may have been pregnant with Rey that Han doesn't even know about, and she hid him much like she... Leia hid Rey much like Leia was hidden to keep away from Kylo, to keep away from Snoke. I think there's a good possibility of it being Luke's daughter, and that's fine if that's the way they go. I have no problem with that. But this is also another way that I wouldn't mind either. See, we're also going under the assumption that her name is actually Ray. It, oh, that's the oh, name absolutely. she kind of grew up with. We don't know if, if she really has a different first name that, that Han and, and Leia uh, gave her. Right. And the fact that, that Han was so quick to offer her a position um, when they got to the one planet to find uh, where the resistance was, or I forget what it was, but uh, he was so quick to to say, hey, you want to come to my, my crew? Uh, you can take care of yourself. The kind of the look on his face and the kind of look on Leia's face, which obviously if it's the niece, you could probably say the same thing. Yeah. Just seemed like they were so proud to see her. She gets – I'm under the impression she basically has the Millennium Falcon now at this point at the end of the movie. She's the new captain of it. Yeah. Uh, that's what leads me more and more. Plus it, it seems like the obvious choice is that she would be Luke's daughter. So I think the slightly less obvious would be that it's their daughter. Well, that's a, that's a thing that um, one of my questions is. There's so many plot points in this movie that you're thinking, hmm, who is that? At this point, as far as I can tell, nobody knows. Not no, even the no, writers know. No. So he just wrote this, Jay James and Lawrence Kess wrote this, to let somebody else figure it well, out. Well, I think they have an idea of where they're going to go with well, it. Well, sure, there are some things that, that probably, yeah, they have ideas, but nothing's set in stone. Nothing's it's concrete just, just all speculation. You know, yeah. we can... We can make great points, great points. It doesn't matter until they put it on the screen. Yeah, yeah. At this point, I'm not even ruling out that she's Luke and Leia's daughter. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> Chances are admittedly slim, but uh, <laughs> we're just shooting wild here. I also think um, – I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, like you say, I think Ray kind of with Chewbacca has the Millennium Falcon out. But I wouldn't be surprised if Lando shows up in the next one. I hope he does. And takes over the Falcon and lets Ray do something else. Well, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of like that the Falcon gets handed down to, uh, like, a whole other generation. Sure. So I, sure. I, I hope that Ray gets to keep the Falcon and she and Chewie, you know, go on to be, you know, partners. But I really, really hope that Lando comes back. Yeah, so I originally too. I was very, like, I'm like, why is Billy D. Williams not in this movie? I don't yeah. understand. Why did they not sign him? Is Is he old and weird now that they can't like is he not acting like what's going on right like uh, well, if they can get him for but, robot but, chicken star wars specials but, they could get him for well this. they have but, him for a couple episodes of rebels too so it's not like he's out of the realm of possibilities yeah. so i think i think they probably just wisely said you know what we love lando as much as everyone else but we can't shove everything in the first movie so we'll wait and now that han is gone and then they need a smuggler they got to go to Lando, right? Absolutely. Because he's the only other guy they can trust who knows that business, right? So now you'll get some secret mission and Lando will be involved and get recruited. Like, at least that's what I hope. That's right? what I'm hoping to. Maybe we'll get a son Finn back. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, I will say, while I hope 
that isn't the case, and I don't think it would be. I was still impressed that Carlene at the end of this view, when she viewed it the first time, said, you know what? What if she? What if Finn's Lando's son? I'm like, well, that's pretty good yeah, for you to I, think I, about. What if Mace Windu is his grandfather while we're at it? <laughs> Every <laughs> single black, black person in the galaxy. <laughs> oh, they'll get letters. Uh, so there was there was one thing in this movie that I have to complain about, okay. and only one thing is when after they blew up the thing at the end, and they they come back, and they're all getting off of the Falcon, right? Chewie basically walks right past yeah, Leia yeah, and yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. give her a hug. Yeah, and there's no way. That was weird. I agree. That Chewbacca would not hug Leia an hour after Han Solo dies. I thought the same thing. I did too. I agree yeah. with that wholeheartedly. What the now, hell? Now, that was out of character. Now yeah. then, to see to see Leia focusing so much on Rey is the, is the little twinkle that makes me think there's a good chance that it is Han and Leia's daughter, but. I still think the Chewbacca thing would have happened. That only makes sense, and that is – I agree with you 100%, Brian. That's such an awkward, weird thing to watch Chewbacca walk right by her, and nothing happens. Because he hugged her when they first yeah. saw Leia earlier yep. in the film. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with you, Brian. Uh, that, I, I also thought that's just not – that's way out of character. I, I mean who knows? Maybe a little slip on their part, but mm-hmm. I agree. There's a deleted scene where they hug first. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's just still processing his own grief. And that could be too, but – it was weird. What did, what did we all think oh, of – I'm just, sorry. Oh, Pants, go ahead, go ahead. Just, it's, it's nothing – one real quick. You talk about the Money Falcon. Mm-hmm. Just my take it out of the movie. The only thing that – not a complaint, but the thing that I, I focused on, when the Falcon went into hyperspace, the hyperspace to me looked like Doctor Who with a TARDIS flying that, around. That's there. how in the Star Wars – when in the first Star Wars, that's how it looked – at some times when they went into hyperdrive, they okay. it was that blue but Doctor it, Who-y looking right. thing. Oh, okay. The first Family Guy Star Wars parody actually uh, pointed that up. Oh, yeah. really? Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll watch no, no, that's hey, that's fine. <laughs> I just want to know what what you fellas all thought of um, when when Ray first encounters Anakin and Luke's lightsaber, and you know okay. she has oh, that that sort it. of called a vision quest, whatever you want to call it. Uh, what, what were people's reaction to yeah, that? That went very quickly for me. I didn't catch a lot of things. Now, I know in one of the teasers, there's the image of the metal hand going onto, yeah. onto R2-D2, which I, I didn't see before that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't quite catch it at the time and put two and two together. And things happened so fast. I saw Kylo Ren and his group of people. Uh, and the, the, the I was so it happened. I just need to see it again. But I'm getting it because I didn't catch everything the first time around. Because you can hear Yoda at one point in the scene. I yes. you can also hear yeah. um, Ewan Alec McGregor Guinness. and Alec Guinness. Yes, and and here's what I know of that. Um, Ewan McGregor and Frank Oz came in yep. and recorded new lines mm-hmm, for that, mm-hmm. and then somebody on the technical side of the world in there cut out a little portion of Alec Guinness saying afraid, afraid to yep. be Rey yep. to get him in there. And then that was great because you had all these great Jedi in there. Now, I didn't hear – I hardly heard any of that the first time around because I was so dumbfounded with all the visuals going <laughs> yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. And, and oh my god. But here's what I think happened. So Rey touches the lightsaber because it's calling to her because she's getting awakened in the Force, you know, the whole pun of the movie. What you see is not only – possibly her past where Kylo and his followers of Ren 
are mowing down the Jedi Academy because that's where I think that flashback took place. Okay. I think everybody that's dead around them is all the Jedi that they killed. I think Luke putting his hand on R2 is what he saw after the fact of everybody being killed. Could that be also how R2 got the rest of the map? It could be. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Good um, point. You also see Ray's flashback to when she was a little girl getting left and the ship taking off, mm-hmm. but you see nothing else. Right. Um, and then you hear Yoda and young Obi-Wan and old Obi-Wan all saying, these are the first steps. This is the right path. You know, whatever it is, t- telling us and her that she's going to be the next new first Jedi to come out, that she's got to take this. She's got to go take care of business or start her adventure to get to Luke so that she can bring him back in and really start to, to make things happen for the light side. Well said. So. <laughs> well said indeed, sir. Well, you know what? I, 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 I want to see the movie a third time because I didn't hear Ewan McGregor now oh, again, so God. I got to check that out. That, w- once so. I read about that online, That's that was fine. But to see it then, and I really got to just sit there and listen to it because I wasn't focused on all the visuals. Again, uh, not again, also because somebody, and I don't know how the hell they did this, somebody posted um, the video of the flashback online recently. Really? And I watched it like four times. You couldn't hear anything. But I watched it to see okay. the visuals. So when I went and saw it this morning, I thought, oh, my God, this is great. I can really just kind of tilt my head, close my eyes a little bit, and listen to everything. Oh. And that was a fantastic experience to hear everybody peeking through, not only for what they're trying to tell you, but just for the um, just for the, for the for the voices that were in it. Oh, it was it was so much fun. I, I cannot tell you, and I, and I know I'm, no, I'm all over the place, and oh, my hands are all over <laughs> I cannot tell you how much I felt like a five-year-old each time I've seen it. When that when that comes out, my face and my smile has got to be a mile wide. Um, there's things that I just was in all of the first viewing um, that this time, not just Han getting killed, but other things coming through that I remembered from, again, my first viewing that made me tear up a little bit, Just just warmed my heart that much more, like – I, I just can't even imagine – as much as I enjoyed seeing the prequels when they came out, there was nothing in any of them that made me feel this excited or this happy about watching a new Star Wars film as what these two viewings for this movie have done. Absence makes the heart grow thunder, oh. I'd say. Now let me ask you a, a, a question <clears throat> sort of along the emotional lines there. Um, again, I didn't see any trailers and actually – for over two weeks for the premiere, I just stayed off Facebook and almost oh, all. Nice. I just, I just done. I believe I think I think I've watched a trailer since then. And did they give the impression that you thought that Finn might be the the Jedi? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I get. I not. I got none of that. So at that point in the movie, when towards the end of the fight with Kyle with Kylo Ren, and he's going for the lightsaber in the snow, and it hurls past him and goes to her. God, I lost it again there. <laughs> but but so th- that was perfectly, I guess, sort of. If I were to watch trailers, I sure, probably would have yeah. made to, to think one way and go the other. Right, way. right. But so that was just. Oh, now, Brian, I wanted to ask you this: Do you think that Finn has some kind of ability that, uh, compared to Ray, a tiny, minuscule? Because while he's trained as a stormtrooper for combat and all that, he still handled that lightsaber pretty well for what it was. Sure, and I think you know the. You might say, well, that's super convenient that the one guy who happens to actually have a bit, of, a little bit of a force potential, but that would be why he's the guy 
who abandoned his post as a stormtrooper and escaped because his conscience was too good because he's a potential Jedi, right? He has force tendencies, and so he that's the force gave him the courage and the strength to leave the bad guys, you know? And and as the force is in and around everything, it's 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 pushing him to help Poe and it's pushing Poe to be here at this point. Even though he got captured, it, it 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 allowed Finn to help him at that point. Like, there's just so many things that I that I really hope Finn does have some kind of ability. Speaking of the Force, what do you think of like the new? I guess things you can do with the Force, like when he, when he froze Ray, when he froze that uh, the Kylo, when he froze that well, blast. The the blast thing is 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 definitely new. Um, just grabbing a hold of somebody and kind of freezing them. That that I kind of assumed was always. Something you okay. could do with the Force. Just because Vader could always grab somebody and choke them without blink of an eye, that why couldn't somebody just hold somebody's arm there without shooting a I gun? Mean, you know, Ray was just like, Oh, yeah, she was stunned. She was, yeah. I also liked how they've taken great pains to emphasize that Kylo Ren is not a Sith Lord. He is someone – he's in many ways, he's very juvenile. He has those fits where oh, he's yeah. destroying oh, yeah. equipment. Yeah. One of the funniest ones in the movie when the two stormtroopers hurriedly turn back down the corridor <laughs> when he's having one of his rants. But – you know his lightsaber looks like it's very homemade, um, and you know clearly he's not a fully developed master of the dark side no, either. No. So and and that and obviously his his struggle with himself was was part and parcel of that. So I'm also interested to see, and that's why Snoke wanted him brought to him so that they're going to obviously continue to try to corrupt him and uh, further his training. But you made a good point because if he was a fully if he was a, a full Sith Lord, he would have killed both of them so quickly. Oh, yeah. It would have been over in, in moments. But they, they both gave him a run for his money. And, um, you know, sh- she was she was beating him, really, mm-hmm. uh, at the end. Uh, and, that, and I agree with Pants. When, when she grabs the saber, that, that, was, a, that was such a powerful moment. Yeah. Um, that and for me, the other moment where, where I did get a little teary-eyed was at the end when they show you Luke when he turns oh, around. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Because Mark Hamill doesn't always get the credit he deserves as an actor. Because I think he's a damn fine actor, mm-hmm. um, and he had to do so much with his face and just because he didn't speak in just those few moments that he's on camera, um, all that emotion—it it, was—it was a powerful moment, uh, and just just the earnestness in her face. She's thrusting the lightsaber towards him. Um, it's almost like a, like a, like a King Arthur moment. I mean, oh, it, yeah. it was it, it was powerful. Yeah. And- Although my friend at work said Luke really shows that he's a, a real dick in that scene because. He knows that she's coming, and he still <laughs> made her walk up all those steps. <laughs> well, well, now, how, about, how about the Mark Hamill's having? Luke Skywalker's back as a trickster. Yeah. <laughs> um, something about some some other things about about the lightsaber, Ray, and all that, um, and even Vader's helmet. I'm really interested in hope, even if they don't tell it in the movie. I want it as part of some kind of story in a book about. Who finds Vader's helmet? How do they get that out of Endor? How do they find Luke's lightsaber? Because yeah, right. that's yeah, out that, of Empire a, yeah. when he gets his hand chopped off. Right. That sucker's gone. Yeah. It's not the green one that he built for himself. Yeah, in Jedi. Yeah. It's the one that fell down the bottom of Bespin. Um, they're, yep. they're just interesting things that, that even if they don't explain in the movie, and that's fine. I hope they tell a story at some point. Just like Ma saying, well, how'd you get the lightsaber? Well, that's a question for another time. So she obviously has something to do with it. And she says she knows the Force, but she's no Jedi. So she has some ability or some tap into something well also also Maz said that she um uh she had seen i I forget the exact line now but basically she's a minimum 100 years old 
oh, because yeah. she saw the the formation of the of the Senate and the destruction of the Senate, then the blah 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 blah, and she listed all these things. I was like, wait a minute, I was doing the math real quick, and I was like, <laughs> she's got to be, you know, a hundred years old. So then Tasha was like, whoa, oh no, because I think she said she saw the the like the Sith. So now it's like, is she like seven thousand years old? You know, because Yoda was eight hundred or nine hundred years old or whatever. Well. Is this woman even older that she was like from the old republic? Yeah. Right. You know? It's like, holy crap, that's a really interesting character then if she's that old and she's seen everything. Well, right? and Han says she's been running the cantina for a thousand that's, years. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope she is so ancient she's seen it all. Uh, now, they, did, they didn't show her die, correct? No. In the battle? No. no. Okay. No. Okay. I wasn't I, I, The last I didn't thing think I think so, you but... saw was her giving, her telling Finn to go help Ray and BB. They needed her his help now. Now that scene reminds me, because uh, 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 Shane, you made a great point. How in many ways this movie is, is in many ways a retelling of many like the plot beats of Episode Four. Sure. Um, and now I go to Murd. Murd, knowing your love of aliens, what did you think of all the aliens in that in that scene? Uh, well, Chris, I kind of wish you hadn't asked because it's. <laughs> You know, I, I share the positive feelings you guys are having about this movie as a whole, but you know, that's kind of a poor excuse for a cantina scene. It doesn't measure up to Maz Eisley. Oh, really? Yeah, it's. Like, I would have liked to see. I mean, kudos to J.J. Abrams and company for giving us as many practical visual effects as they did in this movie, all the way around, both in the actual environments as opposed to just digital backdrops, and uh, as, as many uh, vehicles as possible being actual physical props. Um, too many of the aliens and alien creatures, for my money, were uh, either completely computer generated or computer enhanced in some way. Almost every alien you saw at least had their facial features enhanced by some kind of CGI. And I would have uh, kind of rather that not been the case. And as for Maz herself, you know, I think of a remark that Lucas made around the time Attack of the Clones was released, when uh, finally Yoda became completely digital, mm -hmm. when we no longer had Frank Oz manipulating a puppet. And uh, <laughs> Lucas ju justified this by saying, yeah, it's, it's much easier for Frank to emote when he doesn't have like 20 pounds of felt and foam on his hand. And I thought, no, it isn't. I mean, that way he's actually embodying the character. He is physically moving and he's contorting his body into certain shapes to get this character to, em to uh, make facial expressions and to speak. And uh, it's just, just him standing there and reading his lines in a recording studio someplace doesn't carry the same force. And I was thinking no the same thing about the... Ah! Waka waka! <laughs> <laughs> uh. well, I'm sorry, I may interrupt you. If you're no, no, not at all. Are you done? Are, are you done uh, no, done? I, I was going to go on to well, say go that, on that uh, I think the character of Maz Kanata would have been even better than she was if Lupita Nyong'o had uh, been, I mean, I know she's not a professional puppeteer, but if she could have done something like that to more literally inhabit the character, to be present with uh, the character she's manipulating or with the character she's interacting with, and it, it would, the reading would have come out, it would have felt a little more real to me that way. And, uh, you know, she's this, and uh, there are definitely parallels between Maz and Yoda in other mm -hmm. ways, too, you know, being she's, she's ancient and she's kind of this, she's really kind of a secular, matriarchal version of Yoda, giving advice to this new generation of Jedi in much the same fashion that Yoda had advised Luke. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I, quick, I want to touch back on what uh, Chris said about, uh, which it's obvious here, but how much this mirrors episode four. And I th think ultimately, when I initially saw the movie, I, I, I thought it was great. And since then, I think it's not, more and more I think about it, not as great as I initially thought. Uh, but that's one of the things that stands out that irritates me is for all the faults that the prequels had, they at least felt different. They didn't feel like they were just rehashing the same major beats 
of the original trilogy. This essentially just seemed like a rehashing of episode four. So, yeah, we get to see new, new, uh, new characters and, and new things, and, and it's great to have the universe back. But at the same time, it's like I feel as though I know this story. Couldn't you have given me a new story without kind of – it worked for – I guess it worked for Star Trek when J.J. Abrams did it because I wasn't a Trekkie. And I knew some of the stuff, and I guess from what I've been told, if you're a big Trekkie, there's a lot of Easter eggs in there, and you can see where he pulled a lot of things. And if you're new to it, it's new to you. So as someone that I wouldn't say is a diehard Star Wars fan, as a, as a casual fan, but probably more familiar with it than a lot of the other people, than a lot of other people, it just felt a lot of rehashing of stuff that I've already seen, and I was hoping for a, something different, something to, to really – to go along with what they were already given us, uh, they could have given us a brand new story without kind of being a, a tweak story of what we already saw in episode four. So I, I can't argue with you on that, Matt, because I, ha- I share similar feelings. Like when I saw the poster and I saw the Death Star looking thing, I like was super disappointed because even as a kid, I was disappointed in Jedi that they had to blow up another Death Star. Like, what, we're going to do it a third time? And we did. Um, but... I guess what I'm what I was trying to do, and this, you know, when the prequels came out, Lucas kept trying to say, "Hey, this movie, Star Wars, is about making kids happy. It's not about. It's always been about making kids happy. It's never been about making forty year old, you know, kid guys happy, right?" And I think that they embodied that a little bit when they were. Um, they took that to heart when they were making this movie, but they, they did it in such a way that it could make all of us original Star Wars fans super happy and enjoy it by throwing back to the original, but giving us new stuff and assuming that, you know what, a lot of people who go see this movie are never going to have seen any of the Star Wars movies. And I still, I'm just one of the guys I work with, He's just now, he's almost the same age as me, and he's just watching them for the first time. Now, he's Indian, so in India it wasn't quite a big deal when he was a kid, right? But he is only watching Star Wars for the very first time now. So a lot of people will go see this movie, especially kids, having never seen Episode 4, and they'll get a similar feeling mm-hmm. that we got when we saw Episode 4 for the first time, right? And so I don't, I can't really criticize it as being terrible now if episode eight is just a rehash of empire strikes back well then i'll start to get pissed right but i really think that episode eight is going to go in a whole new direction now because they set up something completely different right um although i guess it's possible that ray will you know get taught by an old jedi living in isolation (laughs) similar to luke getting trained by yoda right i mean i guess you know and then uh, who knows right but um hopefully it'll be it will be different Two, oh, ah, two, ah, go ahead. Go ah, ahead. Go. Two quick things as I bring this uh, show to a halt. Um, first, about the Matt's point about episode seven being like episode four reminds me of the meme I've seen of Wayne Knight from Jurassic Park, where he goes, "Hey, everybody! Episode seven, like episode four. And he goes, "See, nobody I cares." That. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, it's a there's great that great meme. But but then again, Bert, when you when you said. Yoda goes digital. All I can think of is Dylan goes electric. That's all I can think of. What? Dylan goes electric. That's all I can think of. Uh, what is that? From? Dylan <laughs> Highway sixty one, the Dylan album. Bob Dylan. We went all. We went all, oh, we went Bob all Dylan. Okay. for the yes. first time. That's all I can think of. That, okay. Well, and Judas. And and this this <laughs> dovetails into 
into the discussion of of is seven just like four? In a lot of ways, it is, and I and I agree yeah, with what everyone it, says. It clearly that. is. I'm but inclined to think that is a strength. Actually, a, yeah, I think it is too because it allowed us who have watched these a thousand times to see a lot of things new. Yet still be familiar because it had the same tempo and beats in places. Right, same I didn't have to, to to learn everything again. Whereas my kids got like what Brian says. Even though they've seen the all the movies, they still got that excitement, that enjoyment that I had as a kid. Um, so I think that's nothing but a strength in this case. And I agree with Brian. If if eight turns out to be just like Empire, well then I'm going to go oh, okay. But I can't see that happening. Well, there's so much for eight that could be just oh yeah. Oh, I mean. We'll probably see Luke at some point have a saying a line. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that was one of the things. That was one of the things I, I unfortunately had heard going into the movie that people were questioning. Well, why isn't uh, Luke in any of the trailers? I, I was reading that, and, it's, and it's purposeful. I know, but in my mind, that's in my back of my mind during the movie, and I'm thinking, yeah, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, I thought, who's this snow character? Is he Luke? You know, I didn't know. I, 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 well, yeah, yeah. And then again, seeing him at the end, like I said before, just wow, because just like he didn't want to get found. And and I know that huh? they've they've put out there in 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 articles and stuff. At least I'm I'm pretty sure they did that. That the the canon now is all six movies. Yeah, help me out with the canon. The here, seventh cause... movie, this aftermath book, and these young reader books. And I also think they lumped in like the Tarkin book that was recently released and a couple others. Even well, there was a there was a book. I don't think the Tarkin book was included, but there was one that featured Luke um, from like. It, I guess it was post New Hope or, or post uh, um, Empire. I, I don't remember, but there's one more recent book that was also included, and of course the new comics, right? And the new comics, the Clone Wars cartoon, and the Rebels cartoon. Yep, whatever yep. they're trying to sell us right now, in other words. Yeah. Now I've watched all the Rebels cartoons, and I actually think that's pretty good. I like them a little bit better in some ways than the Clone Wars cartoons, and I watched nearly all of them. There are still some that I've missed that I have to find and watch. Um, but one of the things I think that's interesting that they've explored in Rebels, and I hope that this is what it turns out to be in where Luke is on this island, is the Jedi temples, different places that they could go that we know exist because of the prequels but never saw through 4, 5, and 6. But now they've mentioned, okay, well, maybe one of the rumors is Luke went to find the first Jedi temple. Like, I think that would be cool if it was something remote like that that he was able to find and recluse himself for whatever his ultimate reason was. But I just think that would be an interesting thing. Um, there, there's the part where Kylo has Ray in the interrogation chair, and and by the way, when Poe is in the interrogation chair, what a great use of uh, like the interrogation droid and the noise in the background of that. Um, and you really saw how ruthless Kylo Ren can be. But when Ray was in there. He said, I see you dreaming about an ocean and an island. And it's so so soft and so quick. I don't know that everybody catches that mm. to when they get to Luke at the end on the island in the ocean. Um, just, just a lot of interesting things that they, they kept peppering through the whole movie that I think if you see it two or three times, you'll really come to appreciate more. If you only see it once, hey, that's great. And, and if you watch it on DVD, digital, whatever, down the road, that'll be just as much fun. But it's fun to try and pick out and get some of these little things that have happened while it's still in the theater and you see it two or three times in a short amount of time. And Shane, that's why I want to see it a third time because I missed him t t talking about the island when he was interrogating her. I missed so. it the first time too. I caught yeah. it this time. I'm like, oh my god. I, I do want to say with, with Ren, one of the things I did like is the twist that he removes his helmet and you see his face is – there's no too. scarring on his face. 
Uh, it's just a helmet. Acne, anyway. <laughs> but but, <laughs> but I, I am curious. So he visibly got injured um, at, at the end, and that's one of the reasons why I think he was able to be defeated because he did seem to suffer some type of uh, look well, like Chibot, a, well, Chewbacca, Chewbacca shot him in the hip. Him, yeah. so. R- right, right. So, but uh, and it looked as though at some point he got slashed across the face. That uh, was so I'm, right But at I'm the curious end. to see what type of damage. And, and and unfortunately, I only saw it once. But it looked as though right before the the they 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 flew back and the and the land separated. It looked like she might have cut something. At first, I couldn't tell if it was a leg or if an arm or, or it was both. And and I started to wonder if to kind of get to that Darth uh, level, you have to lose an appendage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, so, so I'm curious when he comes back, will the suit now be more functioning, at least the helmet, that it, he needs it to survive, and will he have any um, robotic appendage? Um, and, and I still notice that they seem to be keeping with this flow of uh, this, the big bad needs to be whiny because there, there were certain times where I just felt he – and we talked about it with um, – where he would just go on like a tirade and just use his lightsaber and start slashing shit up. But sure. uh, it was like – that was one of the biggest things that I took away from the prequels that hurt is you had Darth Vader, this cool badass. And then you see growing up, he's just this whiny little kid. And that whiny little kid didn't really seem to end at any point until episode four. Uh, so I'm hoping that's drastically cut back uh, moving forward with, uh, with Ren. I think it will be, Matt, because I think – my guess is they were taking pains to show us Kylo Ren sort of in his infancy as, as a, a, a disciple of the Sith. Um, if that's – if Snoke is even Sith, we don't even know that yet. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I feel you're probably going to get your wish when it comes to that because they're, they're not going to have – it, it would stultify the progression of the character if they just had him the same way in, in all three films. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I, I, I doubt that, that that would happen. And of course we got emo – Kyle Ren on Twitter out of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and as far as what damage he sustained, you know, Chewbacca got him in the side when when he wasn't expecting it, and and kind of feeling all powerful that he killed his father, and and now he's really coming into his own as the dark side, or he's proving himself to Snoke to to whatever secret mission he may be on, if that's the way it goes. Which, again, Brian, that's not a bad theory either. Um, I think Finn got a couple digs on him before Finn was knocked out, and Finn was cut across the back pretty good, but oh, yeah. he's still yeah. alive and, and recovering in in the resistance base. And then you had uh, Ray really get him in the shoulder, the arm, the leg, whether she cut something off or really severed a leg. If she didn't, my prediction is we'll see Ren doing it to himself early P- in the next Possibly. Film. And then cutting straight up across his face with whatever slash that last move was. Um I kind of hope while while I, I I want him to keep the helmet because I think in this first order, the the conformity is that everybody's covered for the most part. The troopers, nobody knows who anybody is now. The 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 upper management, so to speak, the officers, <laughs> you can see them, but then you have uh, Kylo Ren and his followers, which looked like they all had helmets on in that flashbacky scene. Um, I kind of hope he keeps the helmet, but I don't want him to rely on it because I want him. Because of that scar that will be across his face, I want him to pull his helmet off and be more terrifying, be more villainous because of that. Yeah, you can chop an arm off, lose a leg, whatever it is, but I still don't want the apparatus of the mask to to, to be a cause of him to keep it on all the time. Because well, he's just as terrifying if he's got other things going wrong with him that we didn't see from Vader. And, and this would be just a little bit of a departure yet still be terrifying. Well, Shane eloquently put because when he kills Han Solo, it's so much more powerful because he's not wearing his helmet, yeah. and 
you see a son in torment, in conflict with himself, nose to nose with his own father, and then he kills his own father. I mean, and Adam Driver is is an outstanding actor. I mean, I've seen him in, in other other things, so I was very happy that they put him in the role. Um, and I, I let that they had a nice balance of him with the helmet on and not having the helmet on. I, I thought that that worked very effectively. I See, I have to disagree. I, I, I immediately was thinking of Spider Man Three, where Tobey Maguire just never had the mask on. It's once it was removed, which I thought was an interesting twist that we got to see it and it was unscarred. Then it seemed like you know the mask would just come come off. So he's talking to to Snook or Snoke or whatever. And he has the mask off, and it just seemed, well, why would you still have it off at that point? And then to see the um, the other guy, and I, I forget his name, but when General he came Hux. in, so it's like, so yeah, people Hux. have seen him without his mask. How many people? I don't know. I mean, part of the thing with Darth Vader, it seemed like everyone was afraid to see what was underneath the mask. Um, and and with, with Ren, even though he doesn't really have any uh, massive scars at, at that point, um, you know, how often does he just take off his mask? I think he's more more threatening with it on and um you can't read his facial expression so you don't know you can only assume what he's thinking and his inner turmoil because the mask is there you can't you can't tell i think all things being equal hux and snook are the only ones that see that mask off all things being equal now in the desperation of what's going on at the end of of uh before kylo ren went after ray and everybody um i think that was kind of a um a one-off thing where he had his mask off walking through the destroyer to get to Snoke's thing and talk with Hux, Hux and all that. Um, I do think he mostly has it on walking through the ship. I think people who are fans of both Harry Potter and Star Wars should be pretty excited about this character because we basically <laughs> got pro- teenage Professor Snape as a dark Jedi. <laughs> his force mind. Pro- that's totally legitimacy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how about the music? I, I went and I got the, the soundtrack that's out there for Christmas. It's the first time I've gotten a CD in, God, probably 10, Ooh, 12 sparkly. years. Yeah, just shiny. Um, <laughs> and I've listened to it twice already. Um, still sounds, you know, John Williams, he, to me, you can't go wrong. It sounds as great as anything he's ever produced for not only Star Wars, but any movie he's uh, conducted and written the music for. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, in all the films, I mean, even though I'm, I'm not much of a fan of the prequels, like the the duel between Darth Maul and the two Jedi in, in Phantom Menace, the music is tremendous. I mean, the music is as much a, a vital p- character as any other character in the, the the films. I mean, Williams, I think Williams' score can't be understated in its impact, and just helping to create, you know, that world and and create characterization and emotion in in, in so many of the scenes. It's, it's an invaluable component of, of the story. Now, Pants, knowing you, um, I wouldn't go out and seek this out, but I, I have seen things where they try people try to theorize about who this character is, who that is, yeah. and they play um, the music and show the written music that John Williams has and, and compare the two. And some of that's interesting. Whether it, it comes to fruition or not, it, it's still very interesting to listen to, and I, and I love the, the orchestrated music side of it just as much as the movie itself. So that was a lot of fun. If, if, if you're interested in seeing that, it's fun to seek out and, and watch those two or three videos I've seen. Um, just in listening to it, I kind of think um, one of my favorite things is Ray's theme. Um, there's something about the, the the instruments that are used to play that, and I couldn't pick them out to tell you what they are. But it just it just seems to speak to me, fits the character, fits her beginning adventure. Um, to hear it all by itself without the rest of the movie going on, it, it really is a, 
a nice, soft, uh, almost sweet tone and um, uh, e- emotion to it that it's just a soft, subtle thing as she's starting to grow. And dun, 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 dun. Oh, there it is. Yeah, uh, it's, it, it's just fantastic. It's some kind of stringed instrument. Yeah, 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 yeah maybe. Fucked out. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, that could be. That makes and sense. To- and to, I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead. No, that, that's all. No, go. And to build on that, and I, I have to go soon. I'm, I apologize, gentlemen. But um, one of the comments I wanted to make before I depart was, and this is building on what Brian said before about the size of the empire. I really appreciate how the filmmakers took the time to remind us through the through the derelict ships and the adat she was living in and helmets how vast the battle between the rebellion and the empire was like you get the sense that jakku is some backwater planet on the outer rim yet there was fighting there as well mm-hmm. during the, the the conflict between the empire uh and the rebel alliance and, and when and when you know she says luke skywalker i thought he was a myth and then you know notice when they meet han uh, she has one version of who Han was. He was a smuggler, and then Finn says, no, he was a general in the rebellion. And I love how it, the 30 years that have passed because you know, of all the different political developments and so forth that young people in, the, in, the, in this universe, they're not even sure what was actually true yeah. in that war that happened 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And 30 years isn't really a long span of time in, in, in the scope of, of history, but it just shows how, how much already mythology has taken hold. Uh, in that world, like like her putting the old like rebel hell pilot helmet on while she's sitting in front of her derelict at at home, and uh, you know she's scavenging through a star destroyer. Uh, that I, I love those touches, just to create that continuity, to remind you of just the sheer epic scope uh, of this story that that we're part of, both its its past and its present and its future. Yeah. So that was a thrilling touch. Yeah. But gentlemen, my apologies, I have to depart. Okay, before you do, sir. Yes. How, how many freaking swears? What's our top score? I forgot. Is it four or five? Five. I think it oh, needs to be 150. It, it's, five, it's, it's five. It's without, without hesitation. So. Cool. Uh, and forgive me, gentlemen. I must go and do uh, kid pickup duty. Understood. So, all right, brethren, I, I will talk to all of you very soon. Take it easy. Happy New Farewell. Year. Farewell. Have a good night. Happy New Year. May the Force be with you. Tell right. Kate, I'll call her later. <laughs> My friend, I, I was waiting for that comment. I'm glad you didn't disappoint. I'll go upstairs and tell her right now. And you can see her at, uh, in February. I will. <laughs> I, I missed March, that. And in April. <laughs> I missed you, you old wolf. All right. Talk to you later. Good night, gentlemen. Good Bye-bye. Night, good night. Good night. You, you know, Chris brought something else up. As cool as the scene was to see... Uh, Ray flying the Millennium Falcon through the Super Star Destroyer. There's a part of me that immediately thought, if that crash landed on a planet, wouldn't that be the same as the asteroid that took that wiped out the dinosaurs? Wouldn't that, I mean, I know it's a desert planet, so it, you know it already had some type of dust already. But wouldn't something like that be enough to basically decimate the entire planet and the populace that was on it? Well, first of all, it's not as big as the asteroid, right? That that caused the destruction. Also, there's an assumption if we're going to play physics here is that, <laughs> you know, it didn't, it didn't just like completely slam into, it might've had some thruster left and it might have slowed down to some extent. And, you know, but it's not, it's not earth impacting like climate change big. Right. Mm. Or maybe that's what turned it into a desert planet. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. I don't think, I think, it, it crashed under some kind of power and slowing down and, and just lost power, lost control, and that's how it crashed. Um, let's see. What else did anybody else like? Um, how about the, the – we talked hardly about Poe, 
anybody like him. I thought he was a little bit underused, but I'm hoping he just gets to be used more uh, in the next two films. Now that may be why we haven't said that much about him so yeah. far. There's not that much to say, but yeah, he's... Seems uh, pretty like a cool Devil May Care pilot. I mean, somebody else said uh, kind of like the, the new rising Han Solo figure for a mm-hmm. new trilogy. Um, I know there is something. It was fun watching the he and uh, watching him and Finn escape from the start from the Star Destroyer, uh, seeing some good guys at the helm of a Tie Fighter for yeah. a change. That was a f- cool thing to note. Uh, just just the br- the budding friendship between the two of them, the bromance, you might say. In fact, <laughs> I know there are forces out there on the internet right now that are already shipping the two of them <laughs> as the first gay couple in a galaxy far, far away. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so these things are possible. You know, when, when yeah. he comes out of his coma, who knows what might have happened? Right, right. I thought it was fun. I thought it was fun that he has a, a relationship with BB-8 like Luke has with R2. Um, and and I'm I'm glad that while it, w- it was interesting to see what I saw in the trailers of, of Ray kind of taking care of BB-8 and, and helping him along and, and whatever else was going to happen, it was fun to see his master have that. He's one of a kind. He's yellow and white, and, and he is one of a kind. He's mine. And when they landed at the at the base, uh, the the resistance base, and, and BB-8 almost knocks over Finn just to get the Poe and puts like, hey, buddy. Like, like there's just something about that that, again, was reminiscent of Luke and R2 that I enjoyed and, and appreciated throwing in there just, just for us. A boy and his dog. Yeah. yeah. Except it's a man and his yeah. toy. There are some people who think BB-8 is female, too. Well, that could be, I guess. I don't think we've heard any pronouns used to refer to no. him, her, or it so far. No, I don't think so. Sure, why not? I think a couple of times we've heard uh, male pronouns used for R2-D2. Oh, sure. So yeah. Maybe BB-8 is programmed with a female gender identity. Absol- absolutely could no be. No reason why not. Yeah. He, you know, going off of that that female notion, uh, I've noticed on the forums and, and on Twitter, there's been a lot of stuff complaining that um, Ray is too much of a Mary Sue um, and I don't think that's completely a new concept for Star Wars because wasn't Luke basically a Mary Sue type of character when we first got introduced to him as well? It's supposed to be easy to identify with for the, the viewer to project his or her own desires into or, or longing for adventure. So, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed that character and I'm, I'm interested no, – not interested, but uh, I think it's interesting that – that you have the female now as more of the the central person, I, to some extent, I guess the chosen one that that's going to take this into, you know, like Anakin was supposed to be initially, and then Luke became, and, and now to see um, a female character, you know, basically the central point of what's going to happen next with the Force. Yeah. I, I like it. it, and and it's not specific to just changing to have a female lead. I I think it just makes sense for the story they wrote. It it could have been uh, a, a new male lead that was the main focus of the force, and that would have been fine too. This 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 is not gender specific for me. Uh, I I enjoy what was written and, and how all the characters were portrayed and came across in the movie. Yeah, I like. I you know I don't really care. I mean. It, Basically, every fantasy book I've ever read is the, the young, oppressed person rises up and becomes the hero. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't care what you call it, a Mary Sue, a, a Marv Stew, or whatever the hell they call the man <laughs> version, right? But, like, what, like it, that's, that's every story ever. So, F you who think that that's, like, something different or we're supposed to be offended by that. I, yeah. Who gives a crap, right? Yeah. And um, I think it's... Why not have? I mean, fifty percent of the world's population is female, mm-hmm. right? So why why not 
have a major female character. Like, of course we should have a major female character, right? That actually kicks ass and, you know, does awesome stuff. So, yeah, it's about time. Leia was strong in her own right through through the original trilogy. And, he, and even uh, Padme was in the first movie, I think, yeah, at least. She was first movie. The first and then, movie. Uh, her arc. Uh, oh, yeah, it took a decidedly terrible turn. turn. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy as a clam to see another strong female character taking charge and really coming in. God, I love the scene when, when she is battling Kylo Ren and um, – and she's at the edge, and, and he's really kind of over top of her a little bit, and she just calms herself when he says something about, I can lead you to the Force, and she closes her eyes, and then just boom, she goes off. It, it just opens up in her, and she's off on the run, man. It, it was great. And I should say, I don't think that I've said it, but I, I took my kids to see it, right? And they're mm-hmm. nine and seven, two, two girls. And they absolutely loved it. They were so excited to go see it. We were counting down the days, you know, like nobody cared about Christmas. It was all about when the Star Wars <laughs> sure, started. Sure. So the Star Wars and, uh, calendar. Um, yeah, yeah. And we all went to see it together, and they just they loved it. And Shane, I'm sure you probably did this too. Is I spent more time looking at my kids than watching the screen because I wanted to see the expressions on their face when all the interesting things happened. Mm-hmm. And it was like that's pretty hard to beat. You know, they'll remember it finally as the first Star Wars film they saw in the theater, and I'll remember it as the first time I saw them in the theater watching Star Wars, right, you know. Have you seen that uh, video of uh, the little girl watching the uh, one of the trailers? No, no. Oh, there's an adorable um, uh, video that's gone viral of a, of a little girl watching the, the trailer, the first one with um, the teaser. Okay. And she's like really excited. Oh, yeah, be better, Falcon! Be uh, it's, it's, it's so it's so on the same lines. Yeah. You got to check that out. Um, I, I did have that experience with my boys, and and as much as I remember and enjoyed taking them to see that terrible 3D version of Phantom Menace, just for my own, uh, trying to get them in to see something when I thought there was no more Star Wars to come out, uh-huh. they almost completely forgot because I mentioned it to them. Like, what do you mean? So okay, that's fine. You <laughs> forgot it. This is your first one. Um, <laughs> They they absolutely loved it. Um, I loved looking over and watching. Ben sat aside of me, and then it was Matt, and then Carlene on the end. And and even not that Carlene wouldn't go see it uh, at all, but I said to her when I was ordering tickets, I said, "Do you, you want to go see?" It? And she goes, "Well, I don't know. Do you, do you think I'd like it?" I'm like, "Why? Well, I actually think you would. I mean, you did like some of what we saw when I took her to see the special editions because before that she hadn't seen anything, and then, well, that's fine." Um, but I said, I, I think for something this big, yeah, I, I kind of think you should go. I, I think you'd have a good time with it. And, and she did enjoy it. But but there were times when I would turn and see Ben and, and his face was as, as wide-eyed and excited as I was. And, and he's watched them. Of course, he's older. He's he's now 14 and ben, uh, Matt's 11. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's 14? He just turned 14 last Jesus week. Mark. Yeah, that's crazy unto itself. Um, but he's, of course, watched it more than, than Matt in, in his – uh, remembering kind of way. Um, so he got some of the little jokes. He got some of the Easter eggs. He understood the little ball that Finn holds up on oh, the Falcon yeah, and yeah, moved it away. Yeah. He understood some things that Han referenced, the trash compactor and different things that, that Matt got once we were talking about it. And not that he didn't laugh or, or enjoy it under its own right, but Ben got just a little bit more out of it for being just a little bit older and seeing things a little bit more than Matt. And uh, I was ex- I was very excited about that. Quick, quick question. How many times now have you had to yell, Ben, and think that you're Han Solo? Oh, my God. As soon as oh, as soon as that came on, as much as I like that 
he was named Ben because I like things when I see my name and things. I mean, Shane, when I was growing up, wasn't used in anything. We would go to amusement parks and all those keychains and cups. Shane was never anywhere around. Looking for Bort, please? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, when, when Han yelled that and it was Ben, I'm like, oh, man. I mean, I think it's cool. But, yeah, every time I say Ben or have to yell upstairs, I think, <laughs> oh. Uh, don't take it that way, Ben. I hope you don't think it that way. Don't think you're going to be the bad guy and everything. Um, now, what did Ben think when he saw Force Awakens the first time and heard Han Solo yelling his name? I don't think he 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 didn't think of it the same way I did. He didn't. I I was because Ben's going through that awkward fourteen teenager. What do yes. people think of me? My parents are always on my back about doing the chores or homework or whatever it is. And and I thought well, he's gonna. Sometimes he thinks I can do nothing right, and I'm thinking, boy, this is just gonna reinforce that he's just going to be bad because his name is Ben. Not that that's the case, but that thought did flutter through my head briefly. And and when I yell at Ben, I'm thinking, well, does he really think? Oh God, he's yelling at me like is Han he yelled run at me through with a lightsaber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is he going to come at me at night sometime with a, a lightsaber and start stabbing at me? Yeah, I thought of that. <laughs> it happens every time I yell his name. <laughs> But, um, yeah, he was excited. I was happy to see him so thrilled about it. And and even today when we left, um, so Ben's having a couple people sleep over kind of for a, a late birthday get-together. And one of the things we wanted to do was take him to go see Star Wars the next day. And I'm like, well, I don't know if we can, first of all, because every time I'm looking at tickets, they're sold out. Like I looked today when it was decided people were coming and Ben and Carlene said, yeah, well, maybe you could take him to the movie. And I started looking at tomorrow's and everything that I would go to sold out. Not – I shouldn't say that. The front row is empty. The ends are empty. But all the middle good seats that I care to sit in, completely gone. To find six in a row or together, not going to happen. So that whole idea was kiboshed. But as soon as we got out of it, um, Ben and Matt are like, yeah, I'd go see that again. I'm like, all right, good, because I want to schedule another time to go see it again. (laughs) Um, One of Ben's friends and his father met us there and saw it with us. And – they're not the biggest Star Wars fans. I mean, his son is more than the father. Um, but the father's seen them all, at least the original trilogy. And they both said, boy, that was really good. And um, his friend said, man, I really want to go back and watch all the movies now again and then come see this again. I'm like, hey, that that's that's the excitement of it. That's kind of the, the thrill of it. Um, I, I watched the original trilogy before we saw the movie. I watched the prequels after, and now I'm starting the original trilogy. And, and some of it's just listening to as I'm doing stuff around. But some of it's sitting down and watching certain things. Uh, the night before, Carlene said, do I need to know anything? I'm like, well, I kind of think you saw Jedi, but I'm not sure. So why don't we have dinner, sit down, and we'll watch Jedi. It'll be a movie night. And and we did, and, and she had a thoroughly enjoyable experience going through Jedi and into The Force Awakens. I'm it was a lot of fun. I had a great time getting ready for this, seeing it, talking about it. Uh, it it's been just a great experience. It's been a great experience for the entire movie-going public. Oh, I'd my say. gosh, yeah. All the, all the money it's made? Man. Yeah, well over a billion dollars. Uh, just the opening weekend was over half billion dollars. That's phenomenal. Uh, has there – I've seen announcements for – there's a comic coming out, or maybe it's over or out, that explains how C-3PO got his different arm. Has there been any other comic announcements you're aware of that have anything to tie in with the movie? So so there was um, the four-issue uh, Shattered Empire that Marvel put out. Journey to the Force Awakens. And I, oh, okay. I, I, missed, I missed that completely. I read through that. It's okay. It focuses on everything ending with um, the battle on Endor. 
and two specific characters. One is in the fighter squadron and one is more of a commando on the ground kind of guy. And it turns out that they are connected as well as they are connected to somebody from the movie. So if you want to read it, I'll loan them to you. I don't want to tell you if you want to read it. Sure. Um, it was enjoyable. They're not the, the, the best thing on, on the planet that I've ever read. Um, each issue featured one or both of these characters partnered with somebody from the original trilogy, like a Luke, a Leia, or Han. Um, so it is enjoyable to read, but it wasn't phenomenal. It didn't bowl me over. And that's canon now. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then um, I think in the novelization, which is coming out in a week, week and a half, is uh, supposed to explain some of why C-3PO has the arm. Um, there's an explanation a little bit more of Snoke in there. There's uh, an explanation of, of why Leia is a general in the resistance and not necessarily on the government, uh, much like what Brian said. Mm-hmm. I think there's a little more tension in there if I read the little blurb of, of a preview that I did. Um, I'm interested to read it. I, I when when episode one, two, and three came out, especially episode one, I was so afraid of being spoiled that I went out and got the book right away because the books were out before the movies for each of those. Yeah, but not for the Force Awakens. But not for this one. Right. So those books were written by Terry Brooks. Uh, Revenge of the Sith was R. A. Salvatore, I think, if I'm right, Brian. Yep. Yep. Um, I forget who wrote the second one, but but it was all well known fantasy type writers. That the books were almost better than the movies. I really enjoyed each of those books. They were great to read. So if if you've never read them, I highly recommend giving those a read. They were just great to read, um, in my opinion. So I'm excited to read this one uh, after the fact now, since that's the way. If if it would have come out before, I'd have read it before. Really? Because again, I was going with. I wasn't sure exactly what day I was going to get to see it, and I was trying to stay off the internet, off Facebook, to to stay away from people, just blurting stuff <laughs> stay out. Stay away from people, even accidentally. When I went to the theater, I saw it in IMAX, and I got there early. Of course, I got there two thirty four, four o'clock show. Was the first one there. Had my headphones on, listening to podcasts. I didn't want to hear anything. Oh, sure. About it. <laughs> and, and I told the kids going in and out of the theater, somebody would start to ask a question. I'm like, no, no, no. Let's get out of the theater. I don't want to ruin it for right. anybody who's in line that hasn't seen I it I just yet. remember that, that Simpsons episode with the flashback when he's walking, Homer's walking out and spoils. Oh, <laughs> it's a great scene. Darth Vader was Luke's father. <laughs> oh. Um, <sighs> Okay. But yeah, I, I would have read the book if it came out okay. uh, first. But since it didn't, uh, I'm interested to read it and see what else they put in there. Well, anyway, I I don't know how if anything else. I just, well, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Uh, sure, there's little nitpicks here and there, but I, I'm going to go see it again. See how find out those other things that you guys have all mentioned sure. to, to look for again. Listen for Daniel Craig now. To, now they can oh, now so they know that he, he's in there. But yeah. Uh, I'd love the movie. Can't wait to see it again. I, I, I'd give it five freaking swears, just yeah. like uh, Chris. Adam? Oh, we're doing that? Okay. Well, yeah. I guess well, I'm Adam on a force. I just... <laughs> too bad you did. No, I freaking swears for me, too, definitely. Yeah, me too. Uh, absolutely. Now, Brian, you read the... the the after What was it called? Aftershock? Aftermath. Book? Aftermath? Yeah, it's the first book. It's going to be a trilogy. Um, okay, I was wondering I don't think that. the second book comes out until June or July. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like an absolutely gripping page-turner, like thriller, like right? But it, it was a good book. It gave us lots of... It started laying the building blocks for what's going to happen in the 30 years in between the movies, right? And um, it introduced some new characters that I think are going to start to become big players, at least for this series of books, right? Okay. So uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Cool. Um, Matt, what do you have for the freaking Swears? 
Uh, I'm going to say it's teetering between a three and a half and a four. Uh, truthfully, I was thinking about how I'd rank the movies, and I w- would do the original. I would rank this fifth in the movies. I, I kind of like uh, Revenge of the Sith a little bit better, just because I like to see Anakin finally turn evil. Um, wow. Yeah, a bold so, and controversial my, position. <laughs> my my ranking my ranking goes five. Yep. Four, seven, six, three, one, two. My ranking is very similar to yours. Um, Empire and Star Wars flip-flop depending on my mood. Um, <laughs> at the moment, I'm at five or four, seven, then five or four, three, one, two. Wait, you didn't put six in there uh, anywhere. Six, five, four, six before three. Okay. <laughs> yes. Except, Except for C. C. Oh, yeah. my God. That's <laughs> Jinx. Jinx, you owe me. That was, oh, my God. <laughs> we owe each other. All right. I'll, we'll set up later. Oh, yes, we will. <laughs> Yeah, for me, this one clocks in underneath the original trilogy, but uh, light years ahead of the uh, of the prequels. So. Yeah, I I watched all the prequels, then the original trilogy, and I don't know what I thought at the time, but oh my god, the trilogy, the original, uh, I mean, the prequels, painful to watch. <laughs> I mean, I actually got uh, it was painful to watch. I can't even rank it. Uh, I just enjoy this movie a lot. Just enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I, I really do. I really do think that this is better than Jedi. Like, I, do we just rewatch the originals with the kids again in anticipation? And you know, I saw Jedi in the theater. I was nine years old. You know, okay, there's a lot of nostalgia. It's not a great movie. Like, there's a lot of there's some great parts in it, but there's some not so great parts in it, and it really is a little cheesy in a lot of spots, right? And I think if you were watching this for the first time as an adult, Jedi would be a little tough to take, right? Yeah, I don't disagree so. with that. My top three definitely are four, five, and seven in in some combination. Um, yeah, I, right. I, I totally agree yeah. with that, Brian. One more thing before I forget. Uh some of my friends at the cantina, we were talking. You guys are doing a great job with all these Star Wars episodes we've done recently. So they all tipped in. They got everybody a whole bunch of medals here. Oh, get out. So I have uh, the battles of, let's see, Tatooine, Yavin, Endor, and Hoth. What? A whole bunch of medals for everybody here. All right. So, I'll call in Carrie Fisher to pin him on. <laughs> so I'll That's hold him up. Awesome. Which, is anyone with cameras on me at all, Shane? Or what's we got? So we got all the medals here. There you go. I think it's so. that one there. All right. Well, I got enough for everybody. Then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, pants! That's awesome. <laughs> our, our thanks to uh, Momon, Nadon, and the rest of the guys <laughs> yeah. down in Moza, Maza Island. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Oh, that's Just cool. scum and villainy there, unbelievable! <laughs> I tell you. But they're generous scum and villainy. <laughs> they sure yes, are. They are. <laughs> Boy, that's fantastic! Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> I feel so decorated now. <laughs> I, you know, I I really don't collect toys anymore. Uh, but I did get a, a first order stormtrooper, and now I have the the Ray and BB-8. Yeah, got... um, oh, wrong one. Go ahead <laughs> that way. Um, but I am interested in more of the books. I am on a high from watching it now twice in the same week. I'm caught up on the the main Star Wars title. I'm trying to work through the others. I read through Shattered Empire. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of fun to be this excited about Star Wars, and I was excited when when other things about Star Wars came out, and I watched Clone Wars and Rebels and all that. But but this one really has me so much more jazzed than I I, I even 
think I thought I would be. I, I, it it just felt like I was five years old again in a lot of ways. And uh, to be able to pull out a new book or pull out the new comics or listen to a new soundtrack or share it with the kids, uh, it was, it was really, really been exciting this last couple of weeks. I agree. Matt, did Megan have any interest to see it? No. no. That's, uh, <laughs> that's one of the reasons why I was able to see it at 9 a.m. on hmm. Christmas Eve. Okay. Um, <laughs> but actually, i got to be honest with you. Until I think the week before it came out, I wasn't really even overly interested in, in seeing the movie. I mean, I, I figured I would see it, but I wasn't as jazzed as I was for the prequels. And I think part of it is because I didn't see the prequels when I was originally jazzed. And then afterwards, that kind of killed a lot of my Star Wars soul. Uh, that it took just a little bit of time to get jazzed up for us. And, it, and like I said, w- once I once I saw what happened, yeah, Sophie. Once I saw what happened in the movie, um, it, I kind of got okay. So now I can get back into the story because I, I want to see what the journey is um, from the beginning till what I knew was going to happen at the end. Okay, yeah. I can appreciate that. You feel optimistic about the next one? Uh, yeah, actually, I do. I, I feel. I definitely feel more I, – I wish the other one would come out right away. Like, like at, at the end of the year, I wish they would have done this like Lord of the Rings where <laughs> they did everything back to back to back and that you know we could get these right away. I, I, I couldn't say that initially a year ago for this movie, but I can definitely say that for episode eight. Now I want to see – now that I, I have confidence in where we're going, that it's not going to be like the prequels. It's going to be more like the original trilogy. I'm looking forward to the next next ones that come out. Maybe not the spinoffs and the fillers and the books, but definitely uh, the the primary episodes. I don't know the the first the the next movie, the Rogue One, um, actually sounds like it's going to be incredible yeah, and and possibly too. even a better Star Wars movie than what we just saw. Um, did you hear the story of Matt? So so Kathleen Kennedy right is the producer, and she said. That right after she became the producer for the new Star Wars films, right, when it was handed to her, she was like, um, okay, I'm not going to listen to any pitches because all I'll do all day long is listen to pitches because every single person in Star Wars and in Hollywood has an idea for a Star Wars movie. Sure. But a guy who worked, I forget his name, but he was one of the guys who worked on special effects for the original films, right, and he's known Kathleen for years and years and years. And he came into her office and he says, I got a pitch for a Star Wars film. Yeah. She's like, oh, okay, well, since I've known you for 35 years or whatever, I'll listen to your pitch. And he laid it out and it's all about the stealing of the plans for the Death Star, mm-hmm. right? And uh, she's like, she instantly said, that's it. That's the first movie we're making. That's the first offshoot film that we're doing. This is the best idea I've heard. I don't even have to think anymore. This is the movie we're making, Right. And it's going to be like gritty and intense and a little dark because it's stealing the plans, right? It's like a heist movie, but in Star Wars universe with X wings. Like, come on, okay, sold. Yeah, I, I agree. Everything I've heard about that, I, I'm very excited for that to come out. I think that's going to be gangbusters exciting to watch. And that should be, I think, next year. Christmas that's next Christmas. 20, Christmas, next Christmas next year. And then yeah. May of 2017 is Episode Correct. Eight. Correct. Yeah, I mean, we only have a year and a half to wait. We have. A year to wait for a Star Wars movie, and then six months to wait for a Star Wars movie, yeah. and then a year, and then a year. I mean, it's it's like every year. This is awesome. Yeah. 
Is anyone else curious? I hope when they're done with this, someday we'll find some of the other ideas that Lucas pitched that got completely rejected. Not so much that I I have faith that they were going to be good movies. I'm just curious where he would have taken these characters versus where where we're seeing that they're actually going. Yeah, I kind of hope that too. I'd like to read just some things about what he was going to plan to do with them too. Um. Oh, I forget what I was going to say. It just left my head. Son of a gun. Something about one of the, the offshoots things. Oh, that, I didn't think about it that way, Brian, that it's a year and then only six months. That's that's even more exciting. Right? <laughs> Man, that's cool. It's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's, I, it's, it's super exciting. The fact that, that Disney not only owns Marvel but Star Wars, I really think that they're doing – such a great job of allowing these movies to be made the way they are. I mean, they've built an incredible Marvel universe with the way they've allowed the movies to be made. And they seem like they're doing a good job with what they're letting the star Wars universe do. Um, as, as much trepidation as I had when, when Disney bought both of these properties, they really have done just a fantastic job with both of them so far. Oh, absolutely. No, uh, no, um, no afraid of uh, not making enough money off of Star Wars, that's for sure. Just absolutely great. All right. Is that it? Everybody, I think so. Everybody yeah. shot their load on what you wanted yep. to talk about? Right. I, I could yep. go on on for well, yeah. hours. I could too, but I've been maintaining respectful silence. <laughs> God, don't do that. If you have something to say, say it. At this point, it would just prolong things. I'll go on excitedly <laughs> forever. I, I got to get the kids to bed. Yeah. yeah, It's been two hours. I'm looking at the, the timer here. It's been two hours. Nice. So that would be a good time. time to cut it off. All right. Well, this episode was brought to you by the fine folks at InStockTrades.com. Go to their website. Anything you see on the website is in stock. Uh, hardbacks, trade paperbacks, collections, artist editions, and uh, uh, drawer boxes. Go uh, to CollectionDrawer.com. Thank you. The website escaped my head. Uh, stop by oh, – geez, I'm out of sync here. Visit us at ComicGeekSpeak.com. To leave us a voicemail, the um, number is 267-702-6642. To send an email, the address is comicgeekspeak at gmail.com. Stop by the comic forums and let us know what you think about Star Wars. I mean, we've been reading it like crazy all over the place. There's always a good thread going on there right now. Yeah, which yes, Matt's there been is. very heavily posting in. Um, thank you to everybody who contributes to the show. We appreciate it. And as always, we are uniting the world's mightiest heroes, one listener at a time. Enjoy your Star Wars if you haven't seen it yet. God, I hope you did if you listen to this. Uniting the world!